With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 378th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuttes podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call, we have Ozzy Smith, and Andy Patterson, just to remind you all, we go live on YouTube 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes, usually around 10, half 10. Uh, hello to everybody listening during the week. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. I think we're on Stitcher as well, apparently. Don't quote me on that. Tumblr as well. How are you getting on this week, Ozzy? How's the lockdown? How is everything treating you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, again, getting more back to normal each week as we go. Uh, still working, so it's pretty much a much of a muchness. Absolutely twatted it down all week this week, so been pretty much housebound. Yeah, it's been a bit of a strange day here. It was lovely and warm in periods, and it was absolutely lashing it down in other periods. So we managed to get out for a little bit, got soaked, got back in the house, but pretty much the same as you, getting back to work slowly but surely. Things are getting slightly more normal. People aren't getting any more normal, but hopefully everything is as it should be soon. Andy, how are you getting on? I'm not bad, mate. Kind of like you know, binging on the football and stuff like that, you know, over like numerous channels, YouTube's and stuff, and kind of like I've actually kind of like gave Box Nick and a bit of a back seat this week. Actually, did a bit of research for the next uh, punches for the past episode exclusively on Patreon. So anybody who's wanting to kind of dispense with some cash, get here and uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, some good features coming up shortly as well, Steve, isn't there? Absolutely, Andy, there is. It's, uh, there's a few things scheduled. We've been doing punches from the past and all that over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. I'll give a shout out to the top boys, the top squad later on, who support us through thick and thin. Give a shout out to the lads here knocking about in the chat as well. Welcome to you, Paver, boxing channel. Know all about him. Uh, Tosh Bear is knocking about as well. Tosh, I do have Messenger. Yes, I'll go and have a look for that, uh, sir. Uh, Eggy Phil, Banana Rama from across the pond. Chris Bray, Lee the Alcoholic Frotch, Nuthouse Power indeed. Pairing ourselves up here on lighter fuel and Red Bull. Hamid's there. Take Ames, good to have you in as well. Yep. How many have we got in there? Just under 3,000. Oh, slacking tonight, Andy. Only the 3,000. Where are they all? Yeah, I mean, it's like everything else. I mean, they're all struggling. Uh, I noticed the IFL, you know, they've got like the best hits of Eddie Hearn. It's only done 2,500 views, apparently. 
you know, back before the shutdown, it was like I don't know, a hundred thousand, just like your uh, your listenership. So they must be must be struggling a wee bit, you know. But unlike uh, IFL, which we put out original content rather than the kind of rehash old content, you know. Yes, well said. Yeah, Tosh, I'll have a look on the Facebook Asylum shortly if I get a chance. Barney Douglas is over on Facebook. Welcome to the millions of listeners, no doubt, over on facebook.com forward slash Boxing Asylum, The Boxing Asylum, something like that. You'll find us if you need to. Uh, Ozzy, we're talking off air there about the shows coming back. Obviously, there's an exciting Zapeda against Baranchik show coming up shortly. Last week, obviously, we had a few issues at the beginning, at the top of the show, so I didn't get to talk about Jesse Magdaleno. Not going to go into that in any great detail. It wasn't great. Shakura Stevenson, I think the fact that this card was so poor was because it was all about the spectacle. They were first. It was all set up for the optics. They didn't want gruelling, bloody battles when they were coming back. They had a nice, easy 10-rounder. Stevenson was going to beat your man up, get rid of him. The others were all shitty, one-sided six-rounders. As I say, they didn't want like a couple of Mexicans battering shit out of each other, blood flying everywhere. God help us, someone test positive for coronavirus. And the next thing you know, oh, yeah, the, you know, the boxing's back. It shouldn't be back. I think it was an optics thing, maybe. That's why they went so weak, the first couple of cards. To be honest, Steve, I think every top rank show at the moment has been weak, um, largely unimpressive. Uh, I understand, you know, they want to come back and, you know, be first back because it gives them a bit of a pull type of thing. However, um, we, we've been pining for boxing and live fights and things like that, but it says it all that Marius Wack against Kevin Johnson was probably more competitive than pretty much every fight we've seen on the top rank show at the moment. Uh, it certainly improves, as we said, we were talking about Zapida against Baranchik. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and that would have been something that if they'd have started with that, that would have really got people involved. But as you say, it was probably more of a spectacle, just easing into it. Uh, certainly think that shows will improve. Uh, it's obviously a new territory for promoters. Um, more fighters will be obviously be back in gyms now, training. Uh Fingers crossed things can only get better. Um, we we were obviously, I think a few days ago, it was revealed the first of the UK shows are going to return, which is on the Friday the 10th. Uh, Brad Foster against James Beach Jr., British title fight. I think, it's either, I think it's Bantam or Super Bantam, I forget. Um, so, yeah. So, slowly but surely, things are getting back to normal. And particularly from top rank later, uh, early June, things are improving. Uh, the Maloney brothers fight next week, which I know uh, Andy's got a keen eye on. So I'll bring him in on that. Go ahead, Andy. We've got Andrew Maloney. Let me just bring it up here. Andrew Maloney is going in against... Jose Franco. Uh, Joshua. Joshua Jose Franco. Yeah, Christopher Diaz is on the card as well. I was watching Box Nation recently, actually, and I caught from round three onwards of Christopher Diaz's fight with Masayuki Ito. Do you remember they tried to get him a, a handy one for the WBC Super, uh, WBO Super Fenway uh, title? And beat... Ito pretty much beat the shit out of him in most of the fight. <laughs> it's all round mugging, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, Ito's a tough dude. Yeah, Andrew Maloney, Super Flyweight uh, WBA champ. This is, this is, this is a defence of the Seth Bobble. Um, Good fighter, eh, Andrew Maloney, and his brother Jason. Folk will probably know Jason more after he, he, he tested Manny Rodriguez in the World Boxing Super Series. Bit of slow start, Jason, in, in, in that fight. And he came on in the end, though. So maybe just uh, a bit of experience. Kind of, you know, if it was a 15 round fight, he'd have won it definitely, I think. So uh, Jason fights on is it the Thursday, I think he fights, and Andrew fights on the fights on the Tuesday. Um, yes. Yeah, I think that's right. So yeah, um, this is at this point I'm not really expecting you know great things, but these guys have been really lucky actually because um, they got the call to make the move to Vegas just literally 
basically, I think it was the week of the lockdown happening actually, so they've been quarantined together in some sort of house in Vegas, training there, me multi-purpose gym and stuff, and uh, they've got their fights coming up, you know, so Maloney's a bantamweight, uh, sorry, Jason's a bantamweight, Andrew's a super flyweight, and Jason fights uh, Leonardo Baez, um, some folk might remember fighting Moses Flores and stuff, so basically, you know, fights, kind of keep busy fights, but one of these guys is a Mexican, so you would expect... Um, yeah, you expect uh, a, a, bit of, a bit of resistance, especially for for Jason's opponent. Um, to be honest, I don't know much about the one that Andrew's fighting and stuff, but I, I do know he's been like, what was it, 24, 36 rounds with Oscar Negretti. Um, very, very close fights and stuff. So, yeah, um, basically, one, one to look for, I think Maloney, um, Jason, that is, is uh, basically trying to get a kind of fight with obviously either Ubali or Inuwe. Whereas Maloney, uh, sorry, I, I know it's called Maloney. Andrew, another half, he's um, he got upgraded for interim champ to full regular champ because uh, he was mandatory to fight Cal Yafai. Uh, Yafai obviously hung about trying to get a, a big fight, got the big fight, got beat. So obviously the BBA then had to kind of create another title, and that's what they've done. So that's who Andrew is, the world champion, and anyway, sorry, no, Gonzalez is the super champion. Interesting, Andy, on that Jason Maloney undercard. Abraham Nova, 18-0. A few people yeah. see him as a bit of a prospect. He's going in against the lesser-spotted Avery Sparrow. You might remember him. Was He was supposed to fight Ryan Garcia, wasn't he? And they put a warrant out for his arrest on the week of the fight. Did they? I can't yeah, remember that one. Pretty sure that was him, yeah. Um, um, uh, Abraham uh, Nova, I'm trying to remember. I know the name. It's one yeah. of the names that kind of rings a bell with a bit of just stuff. I mean to say, but is he a foreigner? 14 knockouts, Puerto Rican, based in New York. He can clearly bang a little bit. Just looking down the record, he had a fight in Belgium two fights ago, as you do. Um, not, no, he's, not, uh, he's had a few fights in Belgium, actually. Uh, yeah. No real names of any note on the record that I can see as yet. Yeah, uh, I think he's, he's, he's probably popped up an undercard somewhere. I mean, it's, uh, again, it's one of those names that kind of like rings a bell wee straight away. Um, certainly, I've seen him somewhere, but nothing that kind of really sticks out. No. Uh, one thing I was going to mention to you, actually, Aussie. Uh, it's not the biggest concern in the world, but um, whenever Andre Ward was on calling the Shakur Stevenson fight, obviously he has some kind of involvement in Ward in an advisory capacity or management capacity. It's a bit reminiscent of when Macklin comes on, calls the MTK fights and all that type of stuff. Do you think we should maybe create some kind of uh, separation between these things? Uh, yeah, po possibly. It depends how, bi uh, you know, how biased they're or how true they are. If it's just a case of it's blatant bias, then of course you don't want to hear that. Well, then you can make an argument for any home uh, commentators at the moment, whether it be Sky or BT. Uh, some of the commentary we see is just downright outrageous because it's not calling the fight. It's just calling it in favour of the fighter. So the away fighter could land a great shot and they praise the chin of the home fighter rather than acknowledging that it was actually the good work was done by the opponent. Uh, it'll never happen. Um, I, I'd be amazed that if somebody ever came out and basically said, Andre, you're not going to comment on commentate on any or other Shakur Stevenson's fights. And likewise with Macklin as well, I think it's here to stay. Um, and it, it's one of the, I've got to admit, it doesn't really phase me. I'm, I'm not that bothered. Uh, I do like Ward, but sometimes blatant bias does become a bit frustrating. But all in all, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Fair enough, Ozzy. Fair enough. Let's give a shout out to some of the Patreon boys' first group just before we move on to talk about Navarrete very briefly because I don't think it was the best in the world. Uh, Richard Lodder, Slip Digby, Swaggy Taggy, Steve Turton, Ian Pirry, Sean Nomas Vidal, 
Gordon, Jamie D, Red West, Holly Lewis, Holt, Mike Wrigley, Jamie, David Mann, 100, Daniel, Gary Lockwood, Saul Brocklehurst, Daniel Wilson, Matthew Reynolds and Matt. Andy, what about last night then, Emmanuel Navarrete? I know they're easing these guys back in. Obviously, Shakura fought above his natural weight. Uh, but going in against this Uriel Lopez, 27 fights, 13 wins, 13 losses and one draw. I think there is a... It's, it's fair to, to say that they've got a lot of fights they have to put on top rank on the ESPN network. Is it 54, 55? And they're just trying now desperately to have a few of these shitty cards, maybe seven or eight or whatever, just to make the numbers up. And then hopefully things will improve once they're back on an even keel, back back on schedule again. Yeah, possibly. Um, but at the end of the day, well, they, they're going to be limited again. It's, 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 it's just like we see with Frank Warren uh, putting on the, these British title cards and stuff. They're going to be really limited as to what type of fights they can use and who can, you know, freedom of movement and stuff with the lockdown and restrictions of travel and all that sort of stuff at the minute. I mean, what was the result with Navarrete last night? Box record hasn't even got it listed. He knocked him out, didn't he, as far as I know? Did he? Um, and he's, he's moved up to featherweight full-time, hasn't he? Oh, I don't know. Has, has he? Because he, yeah, was no, w, he, was, he was WBO super bantamweight champion. There was talk about moving up, moving up weight. But as I say, if he's moving up the featherweight, he's just dragged the super bantamweight up with him to fucking knock him out. And what? How many he's, and he's right, he's right there with Gilberto Ramirez, with Ray Vargas, yeah. this sort of Mexican vortex. <laughs> he's, he's, done, he's done nothing for me since the dog bowl fights. You know, and it, but I felt sorry for dog bowl in that second fight because he, he really did put a bit of a beating on him. But after that, it's just, it's like. Who's who's that? Who's that like uh, that flyweight champion, the Filipino? Oh Christ! He reminds me of his career. Oh, um, he moved for Conlon. Jeremy yeah, and Cajas. And Cajas, that's yeah, it. Yeah. A bit like that career. You see, Gilberto Ramirez, Benavides. Yeah, that's the type of career. That it's just what, what you've done for me lately. Um, this guy, this guy, know has something like he had so many defeats as he had wins or something like that as well. Yeah, that's right. Just look. I can understand a bit as, as, if you're going to give him this type of fights, but as long as he's out again in, like, say, like three weeks' time, uh, rather than just sitting again for another two, three months, four months, or whatever it is, just to have another fight, at least, you know, if he's going to have these type of fights, at least step up in class like, each time and be active. But um, as you say, I, I, I don't know how many fighters uh, Bob Arms got on, got on record and stuff, but uh, I have a few. So all these dates for the ESPN, he needs to fill up as well. Um, obviously, you have the... The MTK shows and that as well as we briefly touched upon as well to kind of cover on on ESPN Plus and that. But indeed, they, some of these fights, I, I I haven't watched any of these ESPN. I seen I seen the Stevenson knockout on on Twitter. None of these fights are doing it for me. As I say, we're flicking through the box rate schedule just before we came on there, and the Zapeda Branche fight. We're all like, oh Christ, yeah, that that that, that fight's really good or interest. That's I dare say. Mr. Hardcores are going to sit and watch me. I ain't going to sit and watch Emmanuel Navarrete pull up a fucking super bantamweight up fucking, was it, four or five pounds to smash him up. You know, I'm not going to fucking download that shit. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just been it's just been put in. I get, as I say, they've limited as to who they can use. Uh, regional, as I say, fighters will probably need to be used. They're fighting in studios at the minute. You know, they're wiping down ring ropes and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not expecting great things, but you really... The, the, is this better than nothing? I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's people going on about the football at the minute and that says, oh, it's better than nothing. You know, but then it's, I think it's going to get born after Not a bit. Sure. That's some of the stuff I've seen. I don't oh, know if I, mean, <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had that Newcastle County game on for like 20 minutes a day and that, and that fucking £40 million striker could have kicked my arse. You know, so I just think, um, look, we're talking about like, so the fighters be ready to go for the long layoff, you know, there's... You know, there's they need to make these big fights happen sometime soon and stuff. 
there's nothing encouraging here actually that any of these so-called big fights are going to be happening. I mean, anyway's still talking about returning in this August, September, I think it is. Who's he going to be fighting? You know, I would imagine you know it's going to be nobody great. You know, Ubali's going to need a fight. He's going to be struggling as well to try and get a, a top opponent. Until these restrictions get lifted, so I think we'll probably need to wait till at least August if, before we can actually even think about getting big fights because that, that's what I'm talking about, especially here anyway, but possibly getting crowds back into football stadiums and stuff. So if we're talking August, then I think we can maybe look in September, October before we can like look at the kind of big fights happening because we need the crowd in there to help with to you know, bringing in the push money and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I think anyway, but I I think as well going forward, if you're going to be struggling with cars, now I think put on free fight cards, but make it big or decent. Now fights, you know, this is, I'm looking at this Navarrete card for the last night. No, nothing of them. But why not just put on like top, you know, like like three. 12 rounders for like title fights, that's say, like, so she got Navarrete for, for Mexico. Who else for Mexico could you put on there? Maybe Luis Neri, um, even another Mexican fighter off the top of my Neri head. Neri is coming back soon, isn't he? I think uh, he's going to be one of the first PBC ones, maybe they were saying. Yeah, so again, I'm not, I'm not thinking about the fucking promotional side of it and stuff, but um, mm. Benavidez, you see, you know, you've got Ramirez as well. Could have put these two guys, they're Mexican fighters, you can maybe put them on in Mexico. I don't know if they're based in America, that might be an issue as well. It's just, um, I'm, I'm not going to be putting myself out to sit and watch this shit in the day. And I say, I, I, it's just, uh, it's just how I see it. Um, this, I just see actually that the, the show last night, Steve was actually unsanctioned as well. There was no commission uh, actually okayed this, 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 uh, this. Oh, kind is that of right? Problem. I thought that was maybe because there's some kind of paperwork hadn't come in yet, but I don't know. Right. Right. Should have been unsanctioned. Uh, yeah, true. I just think, I just think the top banks fighters and their, their track record and stuff it's, it's like they're putting out prospects, you know, and this guy's not a prospect, he's a, he's a world champion and he's going to be a guy who's like 13-13-1 record there's nothing, and I ain't watching it, I mean Christ's sake, it would be okay as I say, if, if he's fighting this guy uh, like this week to have a have a fight next week for example like they did in the old days, to have a tune-up fight you know, I'll fight this guy this week just to kind of get a bit of rust off you know, keep the weight off me a wee bit then I'll step up and fight the big guy next week and that, but that's not going to happen. So I wouldn't expect any great things happening anytime soon. As I said, Navarrete, after his last few, few performances, I ain't going to be kind of put myself out to watch him. No, I agree with that. I see Porky's in the chat there, the voice of hardcore boxing. I'm becoming the voice of casual boxing. I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really want to shit on it. They're putting on what they want. People enjoy it or not. I've watched a bit of it, seen highlights. I've seen a few full fights. I watched the likes of Ramirez, Robesi Ramirez, who won by knockout. I saw the Stevenson fight, saw most of the Magdaleno fight. I have been watching bits and pieces, but I'm not going out of my way to watch a lot of it. Like one of the guys mentioned the Polish card last night. I didn't even know there was a Polish card on last night. So I'm, going, I'm easing myself back in. Same with the football. I enjoyed Wolves yesterday. Obviously, I'm a Wolves fan. But a lot of the football has been absolutely dog shit, man. I haven't been enjoying it at all. But I say, don't let me, don't let me sway yet, everybody. You can watch whatever the hell you want. And fair play to the boys in the chat. They are indeed watching all the action. Episode 378 here. We have a guest coming on at around half past eight. Uh, one of the fellas in the chat is coming on after that uh, to chat to us as well. Ozzy's here. So is Andy. Uh, Ryan Deal, friend of the pod, Patreon subscriber, threw in a question. After I called him Ryan the Real Deal Deal, he said, who is the best real deal of all time? Is it Evander Holyfield? Is it me, says Ryan? Is it Sefer Seferi of Tyson Fury fame? Didn't realise he was a real deal. Or Ryan Ford, who was bashed about by Joshua Boazzi. If there's any more, you'll have to dig them out, says Ryan. Well, I found Daniel the Real Deal Giel, a former middleweight champion of recent years. Enough of that nonsense, Aussie. Another question from Ryan Deal, which is right up your street. He says... 
Could Deontay Wilder benefit from stepping aside to let Tyson Fury fight AJ? I think it's perfect for him. He can banjo Dillian White and do us all a favour over here for a big pay packet and potentially set up a big pay-per-view clash with Povetkin while working on technique to come back for a trilogy. Or he can take him, pick off the B-level PBC heavyweights. God knows how many of them there are. The only risk is that he gets frozen out with the upcoming guys as no one on the way up will fight him. It's too risky. Any general comments on the heavyweight situation, Os? Um, I. It's okay if he steps aside, but the issue is, is that you'd need Joshua Fury to happen immediately, and then you're obviously waiting on the rematch as well. Now, in reality, if it, if it was one one after two fights, you're going to see a third fight. So stepping aside, he could. Well, he's forfeiting his biggest payday anyway by stepping aside. Yes, he'll be handsomely rewarding for doing nothing. Um. I completely agree with the statement of but basically if he was to fight Dillian White, you can just get rid of him, shut Dillian White up for good, and we don't have to listen to his um, you know, his moping attitude as he gets the violin out with his sob stories. Uh, it's I, I agree. I think he'd be struck I think he'd be tough to match because I don't think people would be interested in him, uh, particularly with no belt now. Uh no interest in him seeing against Povetkin. I think we saw that Povetkin isn't the fighter he was against Michael Hunter. Uh, he's certainly on the way down now. Uh, maybe someone like Hunter will take the fight with you know with Wilder and take it as an opportunity. Uh, but I, I don't see him stepping aside unless you know in you know he gets a serious injury or something like that. Uh, I think his best chance. He's not it, lucky. He, he is what he is. You're not going to teach Deontay Wilder realistically anything new now. Um, he, he's he's lived on that right hand and what a right hand it is. Uh, I, I just don't see him beating Tyson Fury, but it's his biggest fight that he can get, it'd be the biggest payday he can get. And look, he gets beat, fine. But there's still, there's still a place for him in the division because his name will carry weight. Um, and, and two losses to Tyson Fury certainly doesn't mean you're a shot fighter or you're an overrated fighter. Fury's just the best in the division. Good old Fury, best at heavyweight, Andy. Let us move on to something I've been meaning to do for a few weeks. I'm always meaning to do something, aren't I? I'll get there eventually. Let me see if I can bring the banner up. Uh, Danny Young, friend of the pod, threw this one in, Andy. I know you've been stuck into it. I have a little list of my own as well. The chat can debate what they think. So styles make fights, says Danny. So you get to pick five fights for a card from any weight division, but you have to pick a pre-1990 fighter in their prime against a post-1990 fighter in their prime. I know you've got five or six, Andy. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first, mate. So I'll give you six fights. Uh, so I've got one for heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, lightweight and featherweight. So um, the post-1990, uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, against the uh, pre-1990 Muhammad Ali. Uh, light heavyweight, Matthew Sad Muhammad against uh, Arthur Baterbev. <whistles> uh, middleweight, Carlos Monzon against Kelly Pavlik. Uh, welterweight, Jose Naples against Floyd Mayweather. Uh, light, uh, lightweight, Roberto Duran against Juan Manuel Marquez. And featherweight, uh, Salvador Sanchez against Eric Morales. Liking them, Andy. I'm liking uh, Saad against Baturbiev. That would be a who cracks first kind of affair. And Naples against Floyd, yeah, was it you said? 
Again, that was against Floyd. Yeah, Matthew Sab Mohammed against Baterbev, Bloodbath. Um, you, you could just see the guys just stand in front of each other, just kind of swinging away. Sad probably getting dropped about 25 times, keeps getting up like fucking like Undertaker. Um, Monzon against Pavlik, I would really love that to see that fight. Um, both kind of stand up guys, both got power, good good boxing ability, high IQ. Napoli's against Floyd. Again, as I said, Napoli's can do it all, so could Floyd. Um, at welterweight as well, actually, we're Mm. Would you say Floyd was in his prime at welterweight? Mm. Well, I mean, if he wasn't, he was surely in and around his prime, yeah, wasn't he? He wouldn't be far off. He had a long prime. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm, th- I'm thinking, like, say, like, I'm thinking more of like the guy for like lightweight, super featherweight, and that guy who was rapid, you know, wanting to take chances. Now, yeah, obviously, yeah. the hand problems and probably when I got up and weight made him kind of change his style a wee bit and stuff. As I say, I think he would have found a way. To win the fight, Duran uh, against Marquez, as I say, and uh, Sanchez against Morales, which uh, all Mexican battle. Um, yeah, just uh, I would would hope that fight was over fifteen rounds. In fact, make that fight, make that where I fight to finish. Actually, just whoever folds first, you know. Yeah, just before I bring my list up, shout out to Jason Chuck who joined the chat. He's been burned on OnlyFans by someone called Wonder Dolly. So I'm not... <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think it was Tyler Goodjohn anywhere, but Wonder Dolly has burnt the old Chukwumeister on uh, OnlyFans and he's seething in the chat here about his cash. Should have, should have sent his cash to Broner, Andy. It would have been better spent. Yeah, yeah, the cash app. Remember, he fights for you. Does it for the hood. Southside. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, oh, the boys are debating um, the, the Floyds. I've got Floyd in my list as well. My list is uh, heavyweight Ernie Shavers against Deontay Wilder. That would be a bit of a bit of a slugfest. Light heavyweight Andre Ward against Bob Foster. Middleweight Carlos Monzon against Canelo. Welterweight, this is one for Smido. Penel Whitaker against Floyd Mayweather Jr. Punch stat numbers might not have uh, too much to do. I mean, punches mm-hmm. landed in that one. And bantamweight Andy Carlos Zarate against Nonito Donaire. That was the best I could come up with. Wow. That's a good. Uh, that's a decent card. It's a really good card, actually. I like that bantamweight fight. Yeah, I like that one too. Uh, right, Ozzy. I, I know you mentioned Brad Foster earlier. Oz, did you mention any of the other Frank cards uh, that he's come up with? I I misread the email. You see, thinking it was all on the same card. That's why I was oh. in the chat saying, "Oh yeah, you got Kakachi against Woodhouse. You've got um, yeah. Sadiq against somebody." And I was like, "This is brilliant," but they're on different yeah. cards. But they're still great fights. Yeah. So. There's the dates are to be confirmed for the second and third fight. I think ultimately they'll probably see how the first one goes, learn off any teething problems, and then schedule in the second and third fights. Um, yeah, starting off with Brad Foster uh, against James Beach Jr. Um, it's a good opportunity for someone like Brad Foster, you know, really take advantage of you know difficult circumstances, but use it to, you know to get some basically some good publicity and, and impress. Um, he had a great win against Lucian Reed last time. Uh, obviously, Reed was um, highly touted of sorts, you know, in terms of, like, his amateur pedigree and his his qualities. Uh, Hamza Shiraz is also on there as well. I think he's uh, defending, like, his, his WBO bauble belt against Paul Keane from Scotland. Um, undercards are to be announced for the Kakachi Woodstock and Richard Sadiq shows, but I'm quite pleased with these. Uh, the, look, the the good British title fights. Um, I, I've said previously that I'd happily see uh, English title fights on there or area level ones because I always think 
they produce the goods. And look, it's a start as well. I certainly think shows will get better. But and as I said before, it's a new breeding ground. But look, it's not a bad start. The three competitive fights. Uh, I don't know much about Keane for Shiraz. Uh, let, let's see what else we get. I'm, I'm hoping the undercards are going to be of, you know, I think there'll be, what, four or five fights max. You would like to see if it's going to be a five-fight show, at least three competitive ones. Uh, and then naturally, your, your couple of prospects like David Adelaide, the heavyweight, is on there. Um, he'll have a knockover job, but what do you expect in your second profile? It's not going to be, you know, someone who you shouldn't go life and death with or be a real problem. But no, a decent start. And like we say, it's the ones that Eddie Hearn's been talking about as well. The majority of them uh, have been pretty decent as well. The competitive, um, I don't know when his announcement's going to be coming. Uh, hopefully it's not too far, you know, not too far away. But as I say, a good start and can only get better. In Thanks very much, Ozzy. Delighted to welcome our first guest of the evening on the call. It's top promoter Al Siesta. How are you, Al? I'm very well. Thank you, my man. Thank you. You? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you coping with the lockdown? I'm coping okay, man. I'm actually walking around Southampton at the moment making phone calls because my missus and children couldn't cope with me anymore. They said, man, take your phone, go for a walk. Because it's Father's Day today, that phone continuously keep ringing. It's all about cold wars, matching logistics, and so on and so forth. So I'm coping good, man. I'm coping good. <laughs> Excellent. You've led perfectly onto my first question because you're a very creative person. Have you found it tougher or easier in the current climate to be creative? Uh, I found it easier. The reason being because I'm 100 miles an hour and you never got time to stop and think. It's obviously doing something for somebody, you're matching, you're just flying from place to place, basically living within the moment. But with this lockdown, I had really time to reflect on where I've been going, my direction, where I've been going wrong, maybe I need to slow down, or maybe I need to rethink about things, and actually focus more on siesta boxing, and what is it I want to personally do other than someone else. And because I've got to be comfortable, I must admit, I was very comfortable with matchroom, bringing six, seven, sometimes eight opponents, at least three I would have on the other card, traveling everywhere with the guys. I love the team, they're like my family. And by years are going, they're passing by, you know. So there's development for matchroom, but no development for myself, if you know what I mean. So it's been a revelation and blessing this lockdown. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about running a show, four toes, uh, shows in total, from July the 9th in Minsk, Belarus. What's the latest at the moment on that plan? What's going on? I have a call from the British Boxing Board of Control. They were adamant I can't proceed with the ninth as the date because at the moment, as it stands, the borders are still closed between UK and Belarus and Russia and Belarus. And I was hoping, and I know it probably will be open by then, but British board said to me, oh, whilst self-isolation is still in place and lockdown still at this particular stage and it hasn't been eased off or lifted, we're not recommending you to, to proceed with anything. So I postponed the 9th of July to 16th. So the current date is 16th of July. I can tell you this, the second show is on the 23rd of July and then obviously on the 30th and the 6th of August. So my first date is a floating date, I call it. It could move anywhere. It could go slightly back. It depends when the pandemic and this pandemic legislations on the entry to the countries will be lifted or changed. I am ready. We 
so all the stuff is ready mind we're just waiting on legislations for the traveling so safety wise you've got everything worked out inside the venue yeah 100%. Let me tell you, Belarus never had no lockdown. Mm. That's why they ran the football league. They straight away implemented social distancing, grass, uh, masks and um, gloves. So, there's a ventilation in the venue. Uh, it's, it's, it, won't be, it won't be open to the public. Although, I do believe social distancing being reduced this Thursday coming to one metre. Uh, even even in the UK, in the country that suffered the most. So in terms of health and safety, all the coronavirus tests, uh, duty tests, and uh, uh, special facility for those who are going to be positive, God forbid, uh, for the quarantine is all established. We've got all in place, you know. But I'm hoping come 16th of July, we wouldn't need any of that. A top bank have been running cards. Poland have been running cards. Have you been keeping half an eye on how they've got on, what they've been doing? I have, I have. And uh, there's no cases, I do believe, of coronavirus. I spoke to Team Mark and the guys who organised my pay-per-view in Poland. They said it went very straightforward. The only, prob the only problem they had is with piracy. They said they just had over... 2,000 buys for the pay-per-view and they had 36,000 illegal streams, which is bad, really bad, and it's really affected them. And the reason for that, they didn't have protection in place for the, for the, for the stream because they decided to do, to do it themselves. Uh, in comparison to them, Fiesta Boxing has a brand new OTT platform built with a high in, in quick security for the pirates, if you know what I mean, because it's a very cheap price, 599 and if people would try to pinch that, there's no respect for them. I mean, I don't believe boxing, real boxing fans will attempt to do that because every penny counts, and if they don't want to keep us out of pocket completely, they want us to continue to do the broadcast, they should have love and respect and basically help us to support that financially by paying that 5 and enjoying the night, you know? Yeah, so that you're, you are running it on like a sort of online streaming pay-per-view system, yeah? Yeah, OTT is like a miniature version of Dizone. Right, okay. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Very developed, very nice. It's a one-pager. You will be coming up to, to the URL, entering your details, and there you go. You will obtain the access to your broadcast and you can enjoy that. We can either buy one broadcast for five ninety nine because there are some extras on the cards that will be just introduced the main three fights, two ten rounders and one eight pounder, highly competitive 50-50. But also there will be guests, there will be title fights, there will be an undercard, so it will be some content. So this is the beginning of big CS the boxing for the broadcasting partner and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Extremely excited, you know? Absolutely you should be. So what fights are actually on the schedule at the moment then? Uh, don't, let me tell you this. Very interesting. I'm really glad I'm on this podcast. One of the UK biggest promoters is actually not behaving very well. And I'll tell you what that is. Since I've announced the cards, since I've announced some of the fights, all the fighters who are fighting on my card has been targeted, approached, and made an offer. Literally, mm. one by one. Right. So, yeah, and, 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 and the promoters is quite famous. It's, it's, it's one of the three big promoters. So, I know if you're hearing me, you know God is on my side. The more you do things like that, the more it's going to backfire on you. Because if you, at your age, you don't know that life works as a boomerang, then no one can help you. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. So that's why I'm keeping the cuts at the moment under wraps. And I will announce them in due course because the fans are too good to lose them, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't blame you. So people, if they go onto your Twitter, at Al underscore Siesta and follow that, yeah? Yes, so they can go on Siesta. I mean, the information will be coming up from Siesta Boxing Twitter, Siesta Boxing Instagram, Siesta Boxing Facebook. So Al Siesta Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, also for publications. Obviously, I let you know, guys, so you can announce the cast. All the media outlets who's working closely with Siesta Boxing will be notified of all the changes, all the updates, and I obviously will be running the promotional campaign, and I've got some good PR schedule, so everyone will know everything. I will not keep it a secret, I promise. Aye, <laughs> uh, excellent. Just a few more questions for you. When are you flying out to Belarus then, Al? I was wanting to fly to Belarus on the 2nd of July, but now it's like this morning, and I actually have to go to Moscow as well to see my partners. So I think early July I will be flying out of the UK and I'll go to Russia and then from Russia go to Belarus and I'll spend the whole entire month uh, hosting people, making sure everything okay and take care of all the technical and logisticals. So I'll be there in time. I love Minsk. Minsk is a beautiful city. It's a lovely food. People are very warm. Uh, it's just like very clever people. They, swear they call them Silicon Valley of Europe. There's lots of IT companies in there. And women are very attractive. So it's a bit of a paradise, really. I mean, like a rundown paradise. I can have something in between England and Cuba with a similar to UK climate. <laughs> Sounds great. I might come out myself, actually. Stow away. It's stunning. Honestly, Minsk is brilliant, man. Honestly, it's very... Look, zero crime. I know they say they've got dictatorship and stuff, but you know what? It's zero crime. You cannot lock your car. No one's going to take anything out of there. Trust me. Lovely stuff. What about Luther Clay? Uh, how's he getting on? Luther Clay is firing. I have some pictures from with him. Some little footage. He looks good. He's on weight pretty much where she should be now with like a few weeks to go before the fight. Uh, working, man. Like, really, really up for a fight, you know. I think Chris Congo will find very, very, very serious circumstances there with Luther. And I hope Chris comes ready as well. I mean, this is a 50-50. I don't want to comment on anything. All I know, the fight is on. I personally already know the date, but I live with Eddie Hurt to announce. So, it's brilliant. It's happening. Excellent. And a man you know very well, Alexander Usyk, obviously making noise at heavyweight as best he can. How do you think he'll get on at heavyweight? Beat everyone apart from Tyson Fury. The only person I'm not sure is Tyson Fury. Everyone else, Alex will just tangle up and we'll set them out. That's all. Too intelligent. Too intelligent, too technical. Heart is too big. And that, that guy, that guy's a next level. He's next level individual, next level human being. The only Tyson Fury with his sheer size and intellect probably could cause some potential problem for Yushik. Although I still think that Yushik could find the way to Fury's chest, I call it. He can come inside and probably do something. But that's yet to be found out. But otherwise, I'm pretty confident. All the rest of the people, Dylan White, Ortiz, Anthony Joshua, Michael Hunter, uh, you name it, all the top 10 heavyweights, Hergovich, I think Yusik will be too cute for them. Just finally, Al, before we let you go, and we do thank you for coming on. Uh, you're a man no of many. Problem, you're a man of many talents. A little birdie tells me you used to do a DJ at the Ministry of Sound. I used to play in Ministry of Sound sometimes. Used to play in the Southampton clubs. Used to travel a little bit. Played Ibiza a couple of times. Yes, I mean, 
different DJ Sun playing bands, all sorts of stuff. But that wasn't a past life. That was a different time. That was a different fiesta altogether. <laughs> Al, thanks very much for joining us, and best of luck with the Belarus. I hope it all goes okay for you because you, I know there's. I know, I know sometimes things don't go too easy for you in this boxing game, so hopefully it works out. Yeah, man, it will. You know, one thing I know, if God is with me, it doesn't matter who's against me, you know? Well said. Cheers, sir. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you, brother. All the best, Al. Bye-bye, mate. Bye-bye. Al Siesta there, quite the character. Yeah, things haven't been plain sailing. Aussie for old Al Siesta, whenever he's come on, there's always somebody trying to scud him. It wouldn't be like boxing to do that, surely? Yeah, I know. I remember the last time he was on. Uh, he was having that show, I think it was in Ireland or something like that, and the security firm that he booked forgot to turn up or had had a double booking, so he had to cancel the show on the night when there was no security there. So, no, I, I saw some of the fights that were announced. Um, pulling him up, I know one was happening was involving one of Richie Garner's fighters, Craig Woodruff. Uh, again. Well, here, Ozzy, I have the list here, if you don't mind. It, I had, oh, yeah, yeah, I had written it. down Ali Ismailov against Dex Bellman, Byfield against Ismail Ilyev, Zach Chelly against Sergei Gorkoro, uh, Issa Chaniev against Craig Woodroff, and Sorokin versus Grant Dennis. Oh, right, okay. Some Sorokin. names in there that I recognise, like. Yeah, mm -hmm. Sorokin was the one John Ryder beat yep. in the final eliminator. Um, was that? Oh, uh, I hope they go ahead. Um, as you say, you've got the issue at the moment of, you know, being able to fly into the respective countries. So I think until those measures are lifted and providing there's no, you know, quarantine situation when you've got to land over there, then we'll be seeing them. Again, a point back, it's, it's slowly getting back to normal. And it's good to see these innovative fights that are happening, that we're seeing them now. Um, and they're fairly competitive, to be fair, because they know most some of those British lads going over there. And look, they're taking an opportunity, they're taking a chance, uh, because they know, you know, chances are going to be limited. So they're thinking, actually, yeah, let's do it. Let's go on six weeks' notice. You can get back sparring now. And you go and get a win over there. There's some reputable in the Eastern European names there. You go and get a win. That can do a lot for your career. So I applaud both uh, sets of fighters taking it in fair play to Ireland. And fingers crossed it does work out and he can get the fights on. Absolutely, Andy. We'll be tuning in. One of the most remarkable things he mentioned there was that 36,000 people illegally streamed Mario Swack against Kevin Johnson. That was a revelation and a half. <laughs> it was, actually. 36,000 people. Uh, I'm assuming that um, they all came for, like, you know, roughly around the same area. Uh, Christ's sake. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it was, it was, it was one of the first fights, wasn't it, um, that was put on. 36,000, man. It's a bit desperate, eh? That's good. I'm impressed. Illegal, illegal no, illegally streamed. Illegal no, streaming. illegally streaming. Uh, so they got 2,000 boys and 36,000 illegal streams. Uh, was that a fiver, <laughs> he said? Right. Oh, I missed that. I thought when he said 30,000, I thought, fucking hell, that's really good, that. Oh, illegal. Um, oh, illegally streamed. How many buys? 2,000. 2,000. I'm sure he said it was a couple of quid or a fiver or something like that, he said. Because he worked it out, it was like three quid, I think. Yeah, three, three quid. quid. Was. So it made it made about it made about six grand at the uh, at pay per view. Uh, and thirty odd thousand people watched it for nothing. Poor sod. Kevin Johnson has played a grand around. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Johnson, my God! Imagine him still being a thing in the year two thousand. Joining us on the call, it's the main man himself, rapping Rob Kelly. How are you, Rob? 
How's it going, Rob? You hear me? Out there in the wilds. Hiding under a tree. I'm some dragon now. No word from Rob just yet. Yeah, good luck to El Siesta. I like him, he's funny. He's trying his best, isn't he? Um, well, there was something I was going to ask one of you boys. I can't remember whether I did just before he came. I know I think we're talking about Kakachi, actually. Let me just see if I can bring up this next question. I was hoping on Rob appearing. It was Vitaly Klitschko-related, Andy, so I suppose you want to tackle this one. From my friend Des over on Twitter. He says, Andy, Vitaly Klitschko has been nominated for the next International Boxing Hall of Fame inductions. I know he was a very good fighter. He held the heavyweight title for a long time and had a brilliant KO percentage. On the flip side, he never did it outside of Europe, never beat anyone close to being a great fighter, and his reign was possibly the dullest of any heavyweight champion in 100 years. There was also the drug scandal in Atlanta, quitting against Chris Bird and taking two years off after Lennox Lewis. I always thought the Hall of Fame held themselves to a higher standard. Am I being harsh, Andy? I'd like to know your thoughts, says Des. I've heard your thoughts, actually, Andy, on the Hall of Fame in the past, so... Um, Maybe you agree with Des? Yeah, sorry. I was on mute yep. there, actually. As I was <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I take his point. I mean, the end of the day, it's, I don't know if it's his first ballot, actually. I don't, I'm sure he's been on the ballot before, isn't he? He's well over five years retired. And look, his, his career, <sighs> I suppose the, the, the Lewis thing was a bit of a redemption for him. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's just one of the type of careers, whereas he's, how can I put it? Dominated his, his opponents and stuff. He's you know Danny Williams was 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 bad. Sam Peter he, he beat up. I can't mind. He fought him twice. Did he know he was off the the long layoff with Sam Peter as well? We came back and beat him in the rematch. Oh, um, I know Vladimir fought him twice, didn't he? Sam Peter. Well, Vladimir batted him, didn't he? And was, won on points, and then he knocked him out in the rematch. Yeah, that's right. It was. Uh, Larry Merrickson obviously kind of like chewing him out as well. And I remember um, Bert Sugar. He absolutely hated the Clutchgold brothers. Um, yeah, it was definitely one of these styles, whereas yeah, he made it work for himself. Didn't he? he was just his, his sheer size, you know, granite chin as well, but um, Hall of Fame worthy. Um, I don't know, it, it would need to be for some sort of kind of like, tran you know, to transcend the sport a wee bit, I suppose he does. He's into politics and stuff, trying to kind of guide his country, I suppose, and stuff. I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't think he, he belongs. Definitely, if it's his first ballot, he definitely doesn't deserve to be first ballot. Um, yeah, I just think he's he's one of the heavyweights as well. I need to remember his brother was, was shot on as well. Uh, that part of his career because of the just you know, the opposition that was there, you know. And you expect when Hay came through as well, and they come back. Um, uh, no, Hay, sorry, uh, Thomas Adamick. He, he had that kind of wee reign up at a heavyweight for a bit and stuff. And uh, this wee guy. And he goes to Poland and stuff. It was it was a great atmosphere. I, I knew some boys that actually went out of that fight. It did something like I guess something like thirty or forty thousand or something like that. It was a great atmosphere. And he just kinda like beat up on Adam. It's just like guys like that. I remember um the Celeste fight. That was the one fight that I'd expected a wee bit of a test for him actually yeah, in all I the agree. years. You know, it's just and then it's, I've mentioned it before, guys will remember it as well. Just to see him go out like that, his knee getting done and then well, obviously Vitaly kinda of leaning at him and stuff and fucking goading him. You know, he called him a pussy or whatever and stuff, and this shit. You know, there was Chris Nips. I remember how um, the highlight of that fight really was Big Nips kind of crying afterwards. I was swearing at the end. Yeah, I'm so fucking <laughs> sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. They had to know. tell him off, didn't they? To stop swearing. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's um, 
it's it's been I would say it's a bit of a kind of average career actually. But he's just the you know, he's he's part of that that you know, that was a dynasty, but he's part of that family, I suppose. He's you know, the big big names. You know, they did their own. You know, they, they broke away. If it was was it Universal, I think it was, or Unibox. Not when it went promoted themselves, got big millions uh, uh, euros uh, TV deal with RTL for numerous years and stuff. So yeah, I mean, they did fantastic for themselves. Just I think the more accomplished fighter yeah. uh, is, as a collection. Andy, maybe would you say it's like they almost came together to undisputed? You know, between the two of them, they were like they were like merged into one. Almost yeah. At the time. I mean, look, it's not for us to say that you know they should have fought and that, but it has happened. It happened in Asia. I think it was you know, Korea or Japan and that. There was two brothers ended up fighting. Uh, I need to go and pull it out and stuff like that. But you know, they always say they would never fight each other. And okay, I'm not saying here like they should have, but you just thought, like, look, okay, the belt was there and stuff. You, could, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You know, brothers just kind of like sorting it out, seeing who's who's the alpha of the family and that. But no, nah, it was never. It was never logical. It was never possible. And again, just they were victims in their own eras, I suppose. You know, Larry Holmes gets his moments, whereas he's, he's not respected. He's coming off the back end of Ali's Ali's win and stuff like that. And he had to carry the mantle. He was he wasn't the Ali, and he he got shot on for great heights. Uh, maybe like the clutch schools, they kind of came along in a kind of like you know, lack of depth era, I suppose. And uh, it's not what it is this you know, running about now. He didn't have the Furies, and Wilder, and Joshua, and stuff like big names, you know. But um. Yeah, just the victims of own success as well, I suppose. Yeah, I think Klitschko a bit like Larry. He beat everyone that put in front of him, didn't he? You can't really... I mean, no, I mean not, not literally, but when the rain got going, obviously the bird thing was extenuating circumstances. He redeemed himself against Lennox Lewis, even though he lost. So you can sort of slide them out in their own manner and say that he beat everybody who was put in front of him. It wasn't the greatest roster, but he, he did what he could. Came back as well. Big comeback story after the injury and... I don't know. The Hall of Fame doesn't really bother me. I don't care who gets in and out, to be honest with you. I mean, good luck to everybody who's trying yeah. to get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, you could look, I need to go and pull up the list and stuff. And we could, we could do it seeing as it's kind of quiet and that, whatever, like. But there is definitely fighters in there who just simply didn't belong. I mean, look, Barry McGuigan, for example. You know, some people say, well, he'll argue strangely that he deserves to be in there. You know, I suppose for one reason, he was one of the fighters that kind of, like, as I say, transcended the sport. You know, when he fought. Or the fight in Northern Ireland stopped, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so uh, things like that, I suppose, probably get taken into account uh, rather than achievements and that stuff like that. But it, it, again, if you're talking about fighters uh, and wh- what they achieved, I mean, I, I remember Ben and Eubank have been on the list now at least the last two years, I think. Um, I'm sure Michael Nunn's, I don't know if he's he's already in it actually. There's an Asian fighter on it as well. Is it um, uh, Chitlady? I think he's on it as well. I know Yuri Arbachekov has been knocking around a few of the years now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I know Lee the Alcoholic Frotch there, Andy, has thrown in my staple when it comes to brothers fighting. Harry Duven, back in 2006, hadn't got an opponent, so he fought his dad, Harry Duven Sr., yeah. knocked him out in the third round. <laughs> remember that? I remember when you mentioned that one, actually. Um, I'm trying to rag my brain. I'm going to go and pull up that one for the Japanese brothers, actually. Give me a second to you. While you're bringing it up, Andy, I can give a shout-out to our second batch of Patreon subscribers, so that's absolutely perfect. Shout-out while Andy's sorting things out to Graham Taylor, Jeff Conway, George Barry, Craig Jevons, Don McNamara. I haven't seen him in the chat yet. John Kearns, always knocking about. Nathan Shaw, Marvellous Mendo, Joe Ringer, James Addy, and Marco Barrera, Marty G, James Monaghan, and Zeconomics. If I've missed you out during the week, I do apologise. Maybe the guru will give me the sack. Who knows? 
Uh, any joy there, Andy? Yeah, for it, mate. So June 5th, 1993, uh, Japanese boxing fans, because two brothers, uh, Kusu Yaguchi, he was 10-3-4 versus Katsuki Yaguchi, battled it out to capture the vacant Japanese minimum weight title. Despite being brothers, they delivered, uh, real brothers, they delivered a real fight with both men wanting to knock each other out to prevent each other from receiving further punishment. I think the fight was later stopped. I think it was, it was uh, an absolute slugfest, apparently. Surprised the mom didn't jump in to try and split him up. Yep. <laughs> Do you remember the mom who jumped in with the, uh, uh, the high heel? High heel. I don't know if I've told you this story on the pod before, but the the fighter who was losing was a guy from Wolverhampton. And I remember years ago, about 15, 20 years ago, me and my mate, Big John, were out afterwards in a kebab shop after a night out. And I was telling him that story. And a guy turns around, sure as I'm telling you now, and says to me, oh, that was my brother fighting that night. And that was my mom who jumped in the ring and hit him with the high heel <laughs> shoe. And I don't know, maybe, I mean, why would you lie about something like that? And we we're all laughing about it. But he, who was, was that? What was that Wolverhampton. Fight? I can't remember, I can't remember. Oh, it was, a, it was a name fight, it was only like kind of early half his career or something. I don't know, I'll have to look it up. Like, But yeah, the, um, so there might, might have been some truth truth to that, but there you go. So <laughs> he said it was his mother who jumped in and it was his brother who was getting battered. I saw it's a, a Kushi Yaguchi against Katsuki Yaguchi for Japan, 2000 and... Uh, blah, 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 what am I saying? 2000 and, sorry, 1993, sorry. Right. There we go. Oh, uh, Chukri's going off on one here. He's annoyed about Gatti getting in, but as Andy said with Barry McGuigan, sometimes it is a popularity contest. Frank Bruno, they were saying, getting in there. and Well, ooh, I, yeah. I always remember, actually, because it was born of contention at the time when he got voted in. It was just, how long ago was that, Chukri? It was about four, four years ago, so the podcast we were running at the time, and Tommy went off on one in here one night, literally said that it was like, well, what is it, the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Popularity? And I, I kind of get his point. But at the same time, he, you know, he, he's earned his spot as well, man. I mean, if he gave his life to some of their fights, you know. Chukwu says how Corey Spinks is in the IBHOF. He's diabolic. I don't know why he's so obsessed with Corey Spinks. Corey Spinks should be in the bin with Riddick Bowe's bell. Bell, sorry. That's the only. Why are you so obsessed with Corey Spinks? He's a brother. It, it's just... Oh. No, but I'm a big Matthew Saad Mohammed fan, big Riddick Bowe fan. But I mean, Corey Spinks... Nobody wants to see him fight. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Let's see if Rapping Rob Kelly's back with us. Are you there, Rob? Oh, he's unmuted. He's unsheathed. He's unheard. As of the moment, the quiet man, not John Ruiz. It's Rapping Rob Kelly. Do you want to try again, Roberto? No. Anybody else hearing him? Or was it just me? He's yeah, gone. Maybe try, maybe try and add him again. A few gremlins in the system. Ghosts in the machine. Right, let's move on to fight of the week. I forgot to put one in last week, Ozzy. And you have nominated the fight between... Let's see if Rob's there. There, Rob? Nope. I'm struggling this week. Struggling with Roberto. Usually just jumps on fine. No picture. Yeah. Not sure what's going on. Yeah, uh, you picked Khan versus Maidana, Ozzy, from 2010, would that have been? Uh, well, yeah, roughly around that. 10 or 9, 11, oh, let me check. I think it was in December, wasn't it? I know that much. Uh, December the 11th, 2010, 
Amir Khan against interim titleist Marcus Maidana. The bout was for Khan's WBA light welterweight title, which Khan successfully defended. Uh, take it away. Then, Ozzy, a great fight from what I remember. Khan, uh, beforehand, people yeah. goaded him to take the fight, weren't they? Because they thought that he wouldn't have the balls or the chin to stand up to someone like Maidana. Mm. And he did have the balls and he ultimately did have the chin because he took some big shots that fight. Um, big, big shots. And yeah, he, he did. He was certainly uneasy and caused problems throughout the fight. But I thought it was a, this was a brilliant win. Um, I, I applaud Maidana for getting up. Because that body shot that dropped him in the first, it was punch perfect from Khan. And Maidana went there and he was badly hurt. And I think if there was said, you know, another 30 seconds in that first round, there's every chance he could have got um he could have got Maidana out there. I think it was the first, I think the first six rounds uh, from memory um were were excellent from Khan. Uh, it was obviously a Freddie Roach in the corner at the time. Uh, they were on a decent run of form. I think it was was it he just beat coming off a Malinagi win, but absolutely pissed the Malinagi fight. Um blasted out that uh Salita as well over in up in Newcastle. I think what was it in one inside at one in like a minute or something crazy <laughs> like that. Yeah. Salita cowering in the corner. Uh, but my Dana certainly battled his way back uh and, and made a hell of a fight of it. Landed some big, big shots and um Khan showed great he, he naturally he has his vulnerabilities, but throughout the whole fight, he showed that he did have the balls and his chin stood up to it. It really did because we know Maidana can punch and he landed some big, big right hands. And look, Khan stayed up, uh, as I say, a couple of Bambi on ice moments, but stayed up. Uh, I think he was certainly more grateful for the, for the final bell at the end, um, but a great win. Uh, left the ring battered, bloodied and bruised. But he uh, he got the W, and yeah, I'd say it's certainly one of Khan's better wins of his career, in my opinion, the Maidana win. One of the funny things, Andy, is reading back here on Wikipedia, you forget about all the bullshit shenanigans that are going on, you know, regarding titles. It's like on May the 3rd, Oscar De La Hoya applied to the WBA for this, and then Malinaji dropped this, and the interim was... You know, you forget about all this stupid shit that's going on. But Tosh Bear says in the chat there, underrated chin, he can take a shot. I was talking to Ames during the week about this. I think he's about Khan. I'm not sh quite sure if his chin is that bad, but he doesn't protect it well enough. And he lets people hit him on it. And he's too brave sometimes for his own good. I'd say that's maybe two of the main problems regarding his punch resistance. Yeah, as I say, he could be too quick, as you say, and just didn't get the hands back uh, in time and stuff. You could always... It was one thing with Roach and that. You could tell him, you've got to be responsible. Because at that level, I remember saying it specifically, you know, punches, you don't get lucky. You know, especially at that, that, that world level. And, um, you know, as Ozzy says, he had a few rocky moments in that fight against against Maidana. You know, he was you know, dominated the first, what, three, four rounds. Maidana really took a bit of time to kind of really recover for that body shot. Um, but Paddy as well will obviously be kind of move up and wait, um, you know, just to get, give him you know, a chance to kind of like fill the legs out a bit in that as well. But um, to be honest, he's, he's just one of the fighters now. He just, when he gets tagged, it can really either like, hurt him really badly or he just like just just goes into pure flight mode or just kind of like wants to kind of battle back but it, that period I can actually run about what that fight Maidana Peterson up to the Garcia fighters as well as me he was he was a fantastic runner for him and he, he showed right really that that Catalonic fight it was absolutely pinpoint perfect you know he was moving he was you know sh shifting shots right down the middle and stuff like crazy angles that just showed that that pure speed but um 
it's just sometimes he just he couldn't develop. I don't know if it's because of Rochner, who was purely more an offensive fighter, but to be honest, Can was never the strongest inside fighter, really. And he was always just kind of like kind of go in there, hands up, and just kind of like kind of block shots and stuff, and then try and you know, like maybe like a few flurries and stuff. And he was he was very quick off his shots and that as well. But um, I like the kind of you know like more kind of defensive responsible and that as well. But just I just don't think he, the chin definitely wasn't the strongest. I'm I'm talking to here like he's a kind of like ex fighter because really he should be retired actually. Because something was you know, the Alvarez knockout, you know, the Crawford fight as well. I mean, remember that it, was, it wasn't even. The Crawford would kind of like spin him and stuff and kind of like catch him for the side with the with the punch yeah. and didn't like he got shot and that you know so I, I, he's always had that, that vulnerability. I just think at, at that point with with Roach at that time he was probably at the peak of his powers, his physical prime I think. But over a, you know he took he did again he took punishment in that fight you know he took a hard fight against Peterson uh, Lamont Peterson as well and obviously that Danny Garcia knockout was 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 pretty brutal. So you know, it takes its toll on that as well. You know, he's he's, he's had heavy sparring on that. He's been fighting Manny Pacquiao in the gyms and stuff. And if you listen to on, if you listen to me as well, uh, he's actually sparred Andre Ward and that. So you can imagine the kind of heavy, the heavy beatings he's taken in the gyms and stuff. You know, I'm joking about the Ward stuff and that, obviously. But yeah, it's um, he's done well for himself, as, as I say. But um, I just think at that point he was able to take a shot because he was in his physical prime. But he always had that vulnerability that if he just took one too many, he would definitely go and. Uh, yeah, as I say, it's just you see with the Garcia fight that like, it was a, it was a throat shot, a neck shot he got hit with and got put down with off that left hook. Yeah, and, uh, oh, fantastic shot that was. Yeah, he fucking beat Lamon Peterson as well. That was an awful decision. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. That was the man in the hat controversy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a yeah. shocker. He, he was he was job there on me. I can't have felt for him there. Let's welcome our second guest of the evening onto the call. He's the main man in the chat, Dave, from Boxing's First. How are you, Dave? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm keeping well, thanks. Um, watching much, much boxing. I know you were talking about the top rank card earlier in the chat there. Yeah, I've got the same opinion as you guys, really. It's good to have boxing back, but there's nothing out there that shouts, stay up till four in o'clock in the morning and watch me. It, it, it is what it is. Maybe they're testing things. We know that Eddie's going on about his garden fights and things like that, but nothing big's really materialising at the minute. Yeah, Eddie's garden fights don't look like they're happening at the moment, but he's giving it a go. I mean, far from Eddie to say something that wasn't going to take place. His roster's looking a bit thin at the moment, though, Dave. Yeah, it is. He's... Uh... You know, he's going to have to put the work in. There's all this talk about the troubles with the zone. There seems to be a lot of negativity around at the minute, but we just need to get back in. When when can we start filling stadiums again? Because it's hurting every sport, isn't it? We were talking about the football before, and it's just not the same. But obviously, we need to put the sport, we need to put safety first before the sport. But it's definitely hurting not just sport, but all industries at the minute, isn't it? It certainly is. I mentioned boxing's first day. You've obviously got the YouTube channel, do some really good videos, looking into fights, analysing them, breaking them down. Want to give the guys a bit of a shout out, tell you what you've been up to, what sort of fights you've been looking at lately? Well, this week I've been doing something a bit different. Obviously, BoxRec, they put out their pound for pound list in February, was it? They updated it anyway. And there was a lot of controversy where's my first thoughts was, where's Inouye, where's Baturbiev? They just wasn't there. And then you've got Lomachenko down in nine. So I've never known how they work that system out. And to be honest, I've been looking at it all week and I have put a video out. It's half an hour long and I still don't 100% know how they put them points together. It just it, it, 
how can you have a mathe- uh, mathematical formula for something as alive as boxing as something with just so many variables as boxing? It's never going to sit 100% true. When it comes to BoxRec, should we just put these type of things to one side and just say, look, it's a great resource for finding out fighters' records. A lot of volunteers do a brilliant job and just take the positives and say, you know what, they can have their algorithms, which have been controversial for quite a long time, the way they add up pound-for-pound fighters and just take it for what it is, maybe? 100%, I agree with that. I remember when I started my YouTube channel back in January and what I started doing first was a series called Five in Five, which was looking at, a fighter's five best fight and try to break them down in five minutes. And you can't remember everybody, every fighter's best five wins, you know. So to to have them records at hand like that, and then there's also links to Wiki from BoxRec. So they'll throw you across to Wikipedia where you can read up on the fight and obviously they'll shortcut to videos and things like that. It's a really good tool for looking back at previous fights. So just to see... You know, if you've got a fight coming this weekend, who've they fought before? What type of styles have they been in with? And it's it, it's priceless, really, as a website. But like you say, the, the algorithm and the point system, it, it just isn't there. I don't think it ever will be. No, I agree. Shout out to John Shepard, who runs the, uh, the BoxRec channel as well. Dave's with us here. So the big fight on everybody's lips, whether it will take place or not, who knows? Fury versus Joshua. You're a great man for a style and tactical breakdown. How do you think this fight could be won and lost? Uh, what is each guy going to do or try to counteract the other fella? I mean, it's an intriguing uh, uh, stylistic matchup more than anything. How do you see it? It is very interesting, especially with the way that Tyson Fury came out in his last fight in a way that he said he would and nobody had seen it before and how effective he was. And I was just saying, I've got a couple of mates who don't like boxing. They're not big into boxing. They're only part-time mates for that reason. But I said I said to them, if I showed you Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 2, and I showed you Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz 2, and asked who would win between Fury and, and Joshua, the 100% of the people who don't really watch boxing would say Tyson Fury just for how explosive he was. So looking back at that, I looked to see when Tyson Fury had looked vulnerable. And obviously he had the knockdown against Steve Cunningham. And we had the fight with a lot of people saying not a while in fight, he looked vulnerable. So I just tried to see how they sort of brought their style into the ring to try and get at Fury. Because if you watched him in the Wilder 2 fight, you wouldn't, there's no real way to beat him. So you have to look back to when he was vulnerable. And I think you can't chase Tyson Fury down. If you go after him, his movement's so good, he'll just make you miss, he'll make you pay. But at the same time, you can't be too back-footed because if you back off from him and he gets that weight behind his shots, again, you're in a big, you're in a world of trouble there. So, But what Wallin and what uh, Steve Cunningham looked to do was when Fury was throwing that lead left jab, he carries it at his waist, his hand, naturally, his lead hand. And as he came forward with that jab, they met him and they threw at the same time as him. And that's where the opening was. If you watch when Cunningham knocks him down with that massive overhand right, he timed his lead jab because... As Fury brings that jab back in, he naturally brings it back to his waist because that's where it's comfortable, that's where he sits and he's open at that point. So timing is massive to beat Tyson Fury. I don't think you can go inside and wrestle him and out-brawl him because Josh was just not big enough to do that. So, Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, so that's the only weaknesses that I could see in his game. Obviously, with the walling fight, he had the cut on his eye as well, so it might be good for Joshua even though it's not really in his comfort zone, it's to just get a bit rough with him, you know. We've all seen the heads go in with the likes of Holyfield, Hopkins, people like that. We've seen elbows go in and, and they can turn fights, even though it's not by the book. That can turn a fight. And he did seem to struggle with that eye fury. He was constantly dabbing at it. It bothered him. 
So he could really swing it in his favour that way. But weird. Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point because I remember when Big John McDermott gave him so much trouble. Obviously, he was a taller, sort of pudding-shaped heavyweight, but he got the jab off well. And whenever Fury fought the guys like Nikolai Further, I was at that fight at the time, Further really went at him and threw wild swinging huts. And Nevin Pajkic was the same as well. But this new defensively responsible um, negative auto, almost to a point Fury um, negated that and he wasn't getting knocked down as much, apart from obviously when he went back in against Cunningham. But uh, it's an interesting points that you make. As for uh, Anthony Joshua himself, what has he got to do then, do you think? What what can he do with his own abilities to try and uh, get at Fury? Because a lot of people at the moment in the, well, I say in the hardcore boxing community, think that Fury, if he gets the jab going and gets moving, then he'll maybe box AJ's ears off. But AJ's no mug. You know, he's, he's going to be able to do things himself. Yeah, AJ's definitely not a mug. The people are having a go because he lost to an Andy Ruiz or Andy Ruiz only came in last minute. But that can work against you as well. If you're preparing for Big Baby Miller... And, and Andy Ruiz comes into the ring, he's completely different size and shape. Well, maybe not shape, but he's a different size, different fighter mm. than Miller. So it worked against Joshua as well. So Joshua had to make changes to you know, to try and get the win. Obviously, he didn't get it that night, and he came back, and he, he did what he had to do in the rematch. But he's got power, Joshua. He has got a shot on him, and he fires straight shots. When... Fury was preparing for Wilder. Wilder's looping. He's you know he's round the outside and it, it seems easier to defend against than it is if you're going you know straight line shots down the middle. So if he can time and get under that lead jab of Fury and time a right hand down the middle, I think he has got a real chance. But it's just hard when Tyson Fury has shown such a devastating performance against a five-year champion who didn't have the best resume, no, but he's still a five-year champion and he destroyed him the way he did. It's hard to see how you're going to negate that, how you're going to get past that. But it, for me, he's got to keep the he's shot straight and he's he, he's got to get under that jab and, and get that right hand over the top. Nick on the line then, Dave. If it does go to plan, obviously we're looking at both guys sometime next year. How do you think it will play out? Uh, by what method of victory does the main man come out on top? I can't look past a Fury stoppage. I really mm. can't because Fury's style is, is more wrong for... For Joshua than Joshua's is for Fury. We sin when Joshua's in most trouble is when a fighter goes at him. He dropped Ruiz. He had Andy Ruiz down. And it seemed like Andy Ruiz's mindset flipped then. He just said, you know what? I'm just going to have a go. I'm going to put it on you. And if you knock me out, you knock me out. But I'm going to give everything I've got. And as soon as you rush Anthony Joshua, he seems panicked. He, he did seem panicked in that fight. And he didn't like the, the constant, you know, the high pace, the rough and tumble, he didn't seem to like that. And 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 Tyson Fury thrives in that, you know. Tyson Fury loves going inside, loves going to the trenches, and he'll fight there all night, whereas Joshua just seems to like to be patient. He'll move, he'll see what's in front of him. You know, he's he's not the he, he's just all wrong for him for me. Fury is all wrong for Joshua, and I, I can't see it. I want it to be a really good fight so they've signed for two fights potentially obviously they haven't signed they've sort of agreed purses mm. for two fights you wouldn't want a really quick stoppage in the first fight or a really clear result and then the second fight means what then it doesn't mean a great deal so you'd like a close fight so the second fight's even more intriguing 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. You think of like Riddick Bowe, Evander Holyfield or something and the way those fights went. But, you know, if like you say, if someone gets knocked out, but even more so than getting knocked out early, if someone gets completely dominated and is clueless, like a Calzaghe Lacey type performance by the end of 12 rounds, where's the appetite, of the, you know, to go back again and look at that? You do need a sort of Bowe Holyfield fight or maybe not at that level because that's, you know, sort of the elite of the elite, but maybe something like that. There's competitive, there's that area. We say, well, if this happened, if that, you know, whenever Wilder Fury, he went to the draw, but even if someone had one you could have said well he knocked him down and he got back up again just to keep that intrigue and keep it open for the second fight yeah exactly there was that hunger there because you had the tyson fury fans or the people that felt tyson fury won that first fight with wilder who wanted the rematch or fury could get his redemption and then you had the people who were saying well tyson fury was down for 11 seconds or 12 seconds or whatever they was they were saying so there was, there was that hunger there for them to get this the, you know to see who the ultimate the better fighter was but like you say, if this is a one-sided beating, who wants to see it twice? He just he just doesn't make sense. But obviously, they will do it twice if the money's there. Like Deontay Wilder wants to get in again. He doesn't want to get in again because I personally don't feel he stands a chance in that third fight with Fury. He wants to get in there because there's no other fight that brings that money for Deontay Wilder. So, well said, yeah. yeah. No, you, you're right. Just before we let go, Dave, I want to get your opinions on Gennady Golovkin because I watched your golovkin Derevchenko breakdown, the little nuances, the things they were doing. Uh, what do you think about Golovkin as in, I mean, he's not shot, that's a ridiculous thing to say, but possibly on the slide, where do you think he's at at the moment? He's certainly in the latter stage of his career, isn't he? Uh, he said after that fight, I, I was watching, a, is it Montero on Boxing Live? And somebody went in there, in the chat saying they've got it on good on good terms that he had uh, COVID-19 in that fight. I said, well, that's ridiculous because Devereychenko you know, would have left the fight with COVID-19, surely, and nobody <laughs> tested positive. So I don't know where these people come from, but he certainly didn't seem 100%, did he? He seemed a lot tighter, a lot earlier than he usually does. And, you know, Chenko's not a bad fighter. If he faces Canelo next, we'll see where Chenko's at because I think he's a very solid fighter. Uh, obviously, if you've seen the video, I did point, I did give it to Chenko on points. I thought he should have got the decision, but I can't take too much from Golovkin in that fight. If he was, as we all suspect, he, he maybe had flu, he maybe had a cold. He, he didn't look himself. But I think, you know, he, what we're talking, two years maybe of Triple G left, possibly. I'd like to see the Canelo fight again. I definitely think he's still competitive at that level. So if he can fight a Canelo, he can, you know, he can fight anybody in the next two years. He's definitely not dropped that much if he's dropped at all. I think the key will be how quick they get him back into the ring. I don't think he's someone who needs to sit on the on the sidelines for as any longer than possible. I know obviously the situation we're in at the moment, but he is one of these guys that they need to get back in against somebody who's going to push him, uh, obviously not beat him, and shed that rust and then aim for Canelo. Because I think if he sh sits on the shelf for too much longer, it's going to be really detrimental, like you say, given that of his age and the fact that he only has a limited uh, shelf life left. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at when Andre Ward did the number on Kovalov and people was, said it could have gone either way and things like that. Kovalov seemed to lose interest in the sport. Obviously, he went on, he, he fought yard, he went on, he got beat off Canelo. But I think Golovkin, he hasn't lost interest. He could have, he could have felt sorry for himself. He could have looked at the decisions and said, I'm, I'm not having this in boxing, I'm being screwed and, and sort of lost a step. But he, he doesn't, he seems still geared up and still keen. And that, that tells me that he still feels he's at that level. And like you say, he, he wouldn't walk straight in with a Canelo next. I can't see that. He needs something just to, to keep him ticking over, make sure it's still there. And then like you say, get in and let's have this trilogy.
Lovely stuff, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Where can everybody find you? Give us the shout outs to all the channels, social medias and whatnot. Yeah, uh, mostly on Twitter for the social media at Boxing's First and YouTube at Boxing's First as well. So you can find me on both of them. And like I say, it only started in January, slowly growing. It was a, a good time to start because you had the, to look forward to Wilder and Fury, the, the rematch. And then suddenly <laughs> we have no boxing at all. So everyone, like the IFL boys are recycling stuff. The boxing, everybody's recycling old news or grasping at anything to try and get a video out. It is difficult times. But yeah, Twitter at Boxing First, YouTube at Boxing First, and we'll we'll keep the ball rolling and look forward to big fights. Absolutely. They're coming soon. Thanks very much, Dave. Everybody go and give him a follow, doing some great stuff over there. You're welcome back anytime. Cheers. Thanks a lot, pal. Have a good one. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. As Dave there, Boxing's First, to be found in the chat, knows we're talking about good guy spoke well as well. Can string a sentence together, which is always helpful. Rapping Rob Kelly can string a sentence together whenever we can hear him. Are you there, yo. Roberto? Yeah, there he is. Yo, yo. Hey, I bought Coming these noise-reducing head noise-reducing headphones because of all the listeners giving out, and they really were noise-reducing because I couldn't work the microphone. Um, <laughs> so that was some noise-reduced to start with. Um, yeah, good guests tonight. I heard all the guests like Al Fiesta and uh, Boxing First. Who knows? Maybe Boxing First will turn up on IFL or one of these this week. Could be a big week for him. <laughs> Evening, Oscar. Get the call from. Evening, Omar. <laughs> yeah recycling content maybe not recycling their own every week but yeah um, we're bringing the guests for everybody as always uh, what you've been watching this week Rob I'm sure Shakur Stevenson Jesse Magdaleno Robbie Z Ramirez they've all been on the rapping Rob Kelly radar God, yeah. I watched the I watched the highlights of the Shakur Stevenson fight I don't think there was any need to go back and watch that in great detail now that we know that ESPN are touting him as the next Mayweather he's, uh, he's got to be the next Mayweather no good Good body shot stoppage, and I think he's probably he's probably grown into a better fighter than I thought he would, uh, even at this stage. But we have to see him in against somebody before they start hurling him again. As, as the fucking as the uh, the second coming of Floyd, I actually um, this week I watched an old Sky documentary on Roy Jones. I put it in the chat. Uh, shocking that I'd be watching something on Roy Jones, but um, I think it was it was post Montel Griffin too for sure. Uh, but mad to think back at the time when he was number one pound for pound in the sport, how many detractors he had. I mean, you hear Max Kellerman say that nobody at the time thought that Floyd in his prime was better than Roy in his prime. Apart from Colin Hart, you want to watch him on the documentary, he said the jury is out on Roy Jones. Uh, so, some things never change. So, I watched that, and I've been watching a couple of old fights, dude. Um, nothing, uh, nothing too taxing. I'm just waiting for the action to get started again, really, like everybody else. Talking about the jury being out, Rob, I was re-watching Floyd Mayweather against Oscar De La Hoya for a piece uh, from 2007 during the week, and they had an interesting right. discussion in uh, round nine, which I was trying to cut, but you, you know you can't cut clips with music and all this bollocks, so I'll give up in the end. But anyway, they were having a discussion midway through round nine about just how good Mayweather was. This is obviously 2007 version, but Manny Stewart and the boys were... Manny Stewart wasn't too complimentary. I mean, he says, yeah, he seems like a, like a pretty good fighter. Obviously, he was to go on and do other things after that, but at the time, the boys weren't... Completely bowled over by old Floyd. Well, I think you're asking. They're probably asking the wrong guy. Like, you know, <laughs> he's fucking trained Thomas Hearns and been in up against Leonard and fucking <laughs> Hagler in his time. He probably wasn't as uh, as he did to Floyd. Plus, Floyd, I th Floyd and Manny definitely had tension over the years. I don't know if it was like. I think Floyd was, found him a little bit disrespectful in his comments, and then he he bit back several times saying that Manny didn't know anything about boxing, which was fucking ridiculous. But 
yeah, there was a bit of tension there between the two of them for sure. Larry Merchant was a big detractor, a guy who's in, in the who were considered the favourite. By the way, he was kind of the anti Max Max Kellerman. Wasn't he? Like, he was pre- he was very very harsh on Jones during his career, like very different of extremely reluctant to give him credit. Like, um, but you know, saying all that, you'd give anything to have HBO back in the in the in the fold now, considering the their broadcasting landscape. You give anything to have that HBO team back. Fuck me. I think Andy, I would, but Prime HBO. Did we do we forget sometimes uh, how bad HBO were in the last few years? Not necessarily them, but them to a certain degree. But definitely the content they were putting out. I mean, talk about yeah. dying a slow death. I mean, we're talking Prime HBO. We want back. Yeah, we, we, Christ, you'd be talking about mid nineties, um, even before HBO was HBO was, was, it, was it TVKO or something like that. Yeah, the TVKO or? that Don yeah. King had something to do with them, didn't they? Yeah, but you had like Lamp Play, you had Merchant and stuff. It was a kind of precursor to the HBO and stuff, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, I mean they used to run their own specials and um, they'd have the fighters in the studios and stuff and do their own their own segments. I mean, I suppose that twenty four seven stuff that they did at the, at the time was quite. It was quite a first at the time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Small kind of small kind of program, thirty minute shows and stuff, kind of gain you access to stuff that you never it was really. A game changer, wasn't it? Really, it was. They all it was. Afterwards. Yeah, well, yeah, because you had, you had the, the fight camp pre sixty, um, and then obviously you had the the face off thing, which was obviously then like uh, gimmick by Sky Sports and. Uh, other things, I mean, obviously WBSS came up with the, the, their own stuff and that. Yeah, but uh, for, for a good period at least, HBO were, were, were leading the way. Then obviously when Floyd did the did the split to Showtime, I think that's that was the the, the change. Uh, Pacquiao obviously kind of came, came to his run, uh, kind of kind of ended by top rank. He kind of then became a free agent. Cotto retired. Uh, Alvarez went with Oscars, which was to Showtime, wasn't it? So they really lost a lot of you know big talent. Mostly retired. Yeah, Canelo, Canelo went to Showtime and came back. Yeah, he did. Back, it was, it was yeah, only for like one fight or whatever it was. A couple of fights and he was away again. Um, trying to think who else because uh, talent wise, who we lost, um, big, big fighters. Like I'm trying about the heavyweights and stuff. Um, or the clutch goes. Lewis would have been away, but then Holyfield would have definitely been retired and that, you know. So really, there was there was really nobody. Obviously, again as well as because we what happened with Oscar at Golden Boy um, when he went into rehab, you had uh, Richard Schaefer then you know cut up a Showtime deal, and all those fighters ended up going to Al Heyman just about. I think the only one he just saved was was was, was Canelo and a few others, and all those fighters now are now. You know, End up with Showtime, or new on either on Fox, PBC. I look at Showtime now. I mean, they're in the same position that HBO were in, but say like, what was it, three, four years ago? Yeah. Showtime is shot to shit, aren't they at the moment? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we, yes, but has been quiet recently, isn't it? Yeah. I know I'm in the minority idea. here. I actually enjoy listening to him on interviews. He always he gives just stuff. I think Espinosa. He's not afraid. He's like a wee snide, isn't he? He's not afraid to like <laughs> let something drop. Like Eddie, like yeah, yeah. Eddie learned, and then this happened. You're like, oh really? I don't think you were supposed to. But he knows exactly what he's doing. Nah, Eddie's a snider, though, man. Crazy, <laughs> absolutely proper. I, mean, I, I don't know what is Espinosa. Know some sort of lawyer, not so. If he is, you know, definitely snide to the core. Espinosa was the lawyer to De La Hoya, lawyer to Tyson, I think, as well. Was that as well? Eddie's always been a snide. That's just that kind of you know, silver spoon in him, you know. I'll never forget whenever Eddie was running a show at the Odyssey. It was just before Frampton was fighting somebody and there was rumours that it was going to be at Windsor Park. Do you remember the, the, the McGuigan was always going to do the Windsor Park show, but he never quite got it over the line. Anyway, Eddie ran a Ryan Burnett show in the Odyssey and in the pre- post-fight press conference, 
he, he let slip, let slip, quote unquote, about, oh, yeah, uh, so Cotthampton will be fighting so-and-so here in such and such a date. And everyone was like, really? I thought it was going to be Windsor. No, I was upstairs. I, I saw the, the seating plan and the pricing and all that and made it out like it was an accident, but he knew exactly what, what he was doing. Uh, of course, it was on the websites and all that the next day. Aye, you bastard. They're just going <laughs> to... One, another interesting thing, I don't know whether the guys remember this, I was watching Tyson against Lewis from 2003 or 2004, I think it was 2003, wasn't it? Tyson Lewis is on, uh, the heavyweight fight, obviously, the, the biggest fight of, of the 2000s in the heavyweights, and um, there was a few interesting things I forgot. HBO didn't actually have Lampley commentating that night. Fran Charles did it with Larry Merchant and... I think it was Roy Jones Jr. It wasn't Kellerman was nowhere to be seen back then. And also Jimmy Lennon Jr. on the night didn't shout out it's showtime. You know, whenever they did the introductions, he shouted out it's fight night or it's fight time or something. So I mean it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. I think did it was Buffer, did the Buffer do his bit? He did his bit, yeah. Yeah. That's right, okay. Yeah. So I wonder where Lampley was, and I wonder why Lennon wasn't able to say his obviously, you know, world famous catchphrase. Yeah. It was just a bit like, um, I suppose, I remember, I forget who was the Pacquiao Mayweather promotion, but a commentator panel, but it was, a, it was a split between Showtime and HBO, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe something like that. Bernstein was definitely on one of them, I think, wasn't it? Malinagi was on another one as well, I'm sure. Was he not? I'm wondering maybe then, Andy, whether was he Sky? Some, some kind of post, it was on YouTube, maybe some kind of post broadcast that HBO oh, right. meant or something, because if you think about it, Charles Merchant and Jones, you know, you would have had like a Showtime phone in there. So maybe it was, maybe it was a different thing I was watching. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I Jimmy isn't allowed to say it's Showtime on HBO. Probably says Lee the Alcoholic Fudge. Yeah, that probably makes sense. There you go. Anyway, moving on, we'll go on to our lightweight shortly. Before we do, just to remind you, you're listening to the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast episode three seven eight. Rapping Rob Kelly's here with us, Andy Aussie. We've had Al Siesta on. We've had Dave from Boxing's First. Everybody in the chat is having a good time. The, the alcoholic Frotch is there. Chuck Crew is losing his head. Mister Perpetual has joined us, maybe for the first time. I haven't seen him before. Welcome to you. Who else is there? Some flick on down, shall we? See who's knocking about MB. MB's always on. Yeah, I thought Dave from Boxing's First spoke very well. Actually, he knows. He knows the score. James Tapner, take Ames behind the scenes, hooking up Al Siesta for me, throwing in questions as well. Thanks to Ames. Thanks to Ben Faruqi. Feels like the end of the show. Better keep going here. Belly of the Week's coming up shortly. <laughs> a few shout-outs, a few thank-yous. Let's give thank-yous, final thank-yous of the night to the Patreon guys uh, before we move on to the lightweight tournament. Martin, Joe Kennedy, uh, Ted Barrett, Danny Young, James Bernard, Gav, Baby Doyle, Nathan Newman, Chris Ansell, Owen Spillane, Jasper, John Swan, Ryan Deal, Jason Cheel and Daniel Adams. Let's move on to the lightweights then. Just before we go on to the lightweights, Andy, I want to give a shout-out, a bit of an unusual shout-out here to someone who doesn't get mentioned too often these days, pioneer of female boxing that she was. The BBC did an interview with Jane Coach this week. And um, I feel sorry for Jane, because you remember back in the 90s, whenever she came through, the media absolutely ripped her. They told lie after lie after lie about this woman. They made it out like she was some barroom brawler going around offering out men. You know, she was rough as houses, rolling around on the floor, battering people. She was a piece of shit. They, they tried to, was it was it Barrymore or something? They bought her on and tried to make a mug of her. And I don't think she's anything like that at all. Every interview I've heard with her since, she's come a lot, a lot, come across with a lot of class and a lot of decency. And she's told a story, obviously, to Trick Sticks and that. I want to give yeah. a shout to Jane Coach on the. Yeah, Jane follows me on Twitter. And that. I remember speeking to her doing it, uh, doing it at Wembley during the Burns Cassidy's fight and stuff like that. I mean, she, she is funny, like she's uh, she she'll never hold back. And you know, 
again, this suppose it's a bit like you know the, the what we're going through at the minute with the the Black Lives Matter stuff and that and all the kind of protests and stuff. She at that time, you know, was was fighting the establishment. They didn't want women's boxing and stuff. You know, the women shouldn't have been fighting and stuff. But she, I forget, she, she was on the road constantly, wasn't she, for fights and stuff? Yep. And uh, fi- finally, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of version of the world title she picked up and stuff, but um, she, her and um, who's the American again? She fought, uh, was it Riker, Lucia Riker, I think? Yeah, that's the one, right, is it Riker? She, her and somebody else were, you know, the, the kind of, the, the preeminent kind of like women, you know, main women's fighters at the time. And uh, as you mentioned, Steve, go and listen to Trish Dixon's podcast where she gets the, you know, good point across. I think she gets a wee bit of emotional kind of getting her story across that as well, just what she had to kind of fight through and stuff. So, um so, well, when I spoke to her, anyway, she doesn't kind of come across as like thick and stuff. I wouldn't want to mess with her anyway. I remember seeing a video on YouTube and stuff. She's kind of like, like, like shadow boxing. There's a guy now, she just lets a fucking jab just slip you know, an inch too close and fucking bust the guy's nose up. Now, you know, so yeah, I I wouldn't want to go hit my broken pipe packet like or say anything wrong here. Like, so just uh, I, would, I would just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Jane. That's as good into Bristol and spa men, but. Yeah, I think it's just an, another indication of the way the media fuck, fuck people up, man. And they were totally telling just pure lies about... Um, uh, yeah, Curly Watts, yeah, but women's boxing is a bit crap. My opinion on women's boxing is let them get on with it. Don't tell me it is what it isn't. And if there's a good fight, come on, I'll watch it. It's a bit like men's boxing, really. I enjoyed Pursuing against Katie Taylor. I've no interest in Terry Harper against Jonas. Harper seems okay, decent fighter. Seems like she's got a bit of charisma about her. Natasha Jonas is shit, not interested in her whatsoever. Same as men's fights, really. If it's decent, I'll watch it. If you're bringing someone out, looks like they've got the lost property shorts on and a frigging vest that's about three times too big for them and they're five foot six at heavyweight, I'm not interested in that shit. But there you go. Jane Coach, shout out to Jane anyway. Let's go on to the uh, lightweights then, boys, shall we? Bring up the first one. Two minutes or less. This list is provided by the one and only Mr. Ozzie. Smith, so we'll go to you first, Ozzy, in honour of you. Shout out to Chuck Wu, he's been away all show. Quite the achievement for Chuck Wu there. He threw in a list as well. So did Joe Kennedy. We've got your list, Ozzy. To final number one. Two minutes or less, Vassil Lomachenko against a uh, forgotten Southpaw maybe these days, Arta Grigorian. Lomachenko Grigorian, Ozzy. Yeah, um, technical fight, but obviously Grigorian was a very decorated amateur Um his record is it was certainly padded. Um, I mean, yeah, I, f- I think he held he held the lightweight title for about seven years or something like that. But ultimately, Lomachenko is better in every department. Uh, we, we saw what happened, and we we're talking about it off air. Gregorian cashed out uh, in his one and only defeat, and I certainly think that Lomachenko would de- certainly put it on him. Um, as, as we said, Gregorian's very good technically, can punch himself. But I don't think Lomachenko would have any issues in this one. And I think he'd get Gregorian out of there between eight and ten rounds. Interesting. There you go. Lomachenko going through to semi-final number one. Quick word on Gregorian, actually. He had some interesting fights, I suppose. Um, Oscar De La Hoya beat Jesse James Lehar. The title became vacant whenever uh, Oscar moved up to super lightweight. Gregorian picked it up then. Fought against the guy that I've mentioned on the pod before called Marty Jakubowski. This is some character, this fellow. Had about 130 wins. He would fight in like Tennessee or Kentucky or Alabama about 10 times in a row. Then he would step up and get beat. A bit like Saul Farrow, really. Then he would get beaten. And then he would go back there and have another 10 fights in the Kentucky showgrounds and back up. Anyway, he got a shot at the at the WBO title, as you do back in the day, mid-90s, against Arthur Gregorian and lost. 
a few other names on Gregorian's record that might be of interest. Fawn yeah. Hooters, that boy as well. Yep. Oh, he's a good, good lad. Good lad, old. <laughs> Uh, Marco Rudolph, Andy, uh, Gregorian beat. Rudolph was an interesting one. He beat Oscar De La Hoya as an amateur, but De La Hoya got revenge over him. He was from, he was an East German, I think, from the old uh, East German block. Uh, uh, De La Hoya got revenge over him in the final of the 1992 Barcelona Olympics and uh, won the gold medal. So Mark, but he didn't really turn out as a, as a decent pro. Plus, uh, continuing the De La Hoya route. You see how these guys start reappearing in the rankings, especially the WBO, over and over again. Giorgio Campanella, I don't know if you remember him, Andy, an Italian. Oh. He was unbeaten. He fought Oscar for the WBO title, knocked Oscar down, would have been about 95, 96, got knocked out by Oscar. Anyway, he came back round and had another shot against Arthur Gregorian, lost that one. Uh, a few other people, Sandro Casamonica, I'm going to mention him shortly as well. And Antonio Pitalua, last seen getting the shit beaten out of him by Edwin Valero. So quite the run from uh, Gregorian. He also beat Stefano Zoff, Rocky Martinez and Matt Zegan before losing the title to Asselino Freitas. Yeah, he got an absolute beating off for it as well, didn't he? Um, didn't really think much after that. I've, I've actually got Oscar's career set. I, I actually got a copy of the other week there, so I'm going to make him across that for you. Actually. What's his name? Sandro Casamonica? Sandro? No, Campanella. Campanella, no, Campanella, yeah. Beside the De La Hoya fight and possibly the Gregorian fight, right. there's not a lot to, to write home yeah. about, but he knocked Oscar down, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah I'll need to go and check that then. Um, so obviously, I'll, I'll get rid of it at some point in that. But yeah, Kagori name. One of the guy. I think he was what. It was something crazy defenses he had or something like that. Uh, that belt, whatever it was, he had. But, um, oh yeah, no, yeah. He had, uh, but I would need to say, man, it was it was B level opposition, C level opposition. It was it was fighting. Probably again, it made a decrement to the WBO at that time. Actually, um, maybe it was it late nineties, two thousand stuff. Like that. You were getting guys for like say Hungary and all that type of fucking. Ex-Soviet place that kind of pop up the rankings at that point as well, weren't you? So, yeah, wasn't that great? Wasn't that wasn't that great in a terror to be honest with? You? No, WBO as well was. I remember when De La Hoya won his the WBO title originally. It wasn't the same one. It was the Super Featherweight title. He beat a guy called Jimmy Bradell from Denmark who got bought over. And I was rereading articles from like the LA Times that were written at the time. I was rereading them recently. And they off the, the guy made a point to saying the lightly regarded. Like they were very clear that the WBO was like a, a bit like the IBO is now. You know, this is yeah. a stepping stone for De La Hoya. Whenever he wins the title, he is expected to go up and. Um, uh, uh, what is it? Unify, sorry, with the IBF champion at the time who was, who was the IBF champion? He ended up beating it. He ended up fighting him and beating him at lightweight um, in two rounds. Oh, freaking hell, who was it? Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. But the point is, Andy, the WBO was pretty much lowly ranked by everybody. Yeah. Still, well, at that point, I mean, it took me a real long time to kind of get the recognition and stuff. But again, as I say, it's just another alphabet soup stuff, isn't it? You know, just another one to kind of add into the pie. Just fucking bastards man I just uh, it's, you know what I'm saying man it's just it's just fucking money for all rope and that man. so it so is I mean actually you've got to pay to get a fight sanctioned and then you've actually got to pay to get actually get, get a replica belt sent to you you've probably got to pay for the posters as well off these bastards knowing them <laughs> Devin Haney must be out of freaking packet with posters <laughs> <laughs> no it's what emails belts he's getting sent <laughs> no he'll be, be doing all his money on printing and stuff like that trying to print his belt off and that or the paper and that you know 
Yes, the IBF fighter I was trying to remember, I'm sure you all won't sleep tonight unless you're here. I was thinking Rafael Rivera on my head, but that didn't sound right because he fought uh, uh, against Santa Cruz recently. It was Rafael Ruelez in 1995. Uh, Oscar unified the WBO lightweight title with Ruelez's IBF title. And then they said, well, no, he's a proper world champion. He's got the IBF now, but the WBO was, was lightly regarded. Go ahead, Rob. His brother was a good fighter as well, Gabriel Ruelez. Right, yep. yep. Did he, one of them beat Jacob, did they? Gary Jacob. One of the really nice brothers. Maybe it was Gabriel. Anyway, sorry, I digress. No, you're okay. Digress into quarterfinal number two, Rob. It's all yours. We've got Roberto Duran against Jose Luis Castillo. Rob, Roberto Duran against Jose Luis Castillo. Back and fight. Back and fight, but only one winner. Um, Prime Castillo, lightweight. Absolutely tremendous, as I mentioned before on the pod. A lot of people thought he was the next Chavez, June, or Chavez Senior, rather. Um... But Roberto Duran at lightweight is not going to lose to Jose Luis Castillo, um, especially if it's over 50 rounds of his Duran's prime. Um, I think he just outworks him too much movement side to side, too much energy, and too much dog in him when it comes to it to lose to Castillo. Duran moves forward. few uh, nominations for Belly of the Week regarding Duran as well. People discussing his career up at middleweight. Andy might be interested in that. He might be more interested in quarterfinal number three, which features a couple of quality fighters. Juan Manuel Marquez going in against the guy we were talking off air, Andy. He'll be tough enough, strong enough, fit enough with a good enough jab to give many of the great lightweights trouble. A man after your own heart, Ken Buchanan. Juan Manuel Marquez, Andy, against Ken Buchanan, quarterfinal number three. Who you got? You're on mute there, Andy, maybe giving us the, the stylistic breakdown. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a hard one actually. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Ken. I'm gonna go with Ken Buchanan. It's purely because like yeah. so who you fought and stuff like that, you know, Ruben Navarro, Laguna, Duran, Ortiz, uh, who else? The Japanese kid. Um Oh, I forget, I forgot the top of my head at the minute. I think it's like, it's like Guts, uh, Charlie Nash, uh, Jim Watt, stuff like that. I just think, um, you know, a lot of ruggedness, very, very cute fighter, very, very up, good, very good boxer, very, very technical fight. I think it's got distance written all over it. I just think he's, his reach as well would be a bit problematic for, for Marquez. Um, where I think if it came on the inside and stuff, I think Marquez would have certainly would have his successes. But I think if Buchanan just you know, keeps it boxing, keeps it keeps it on the jab, keeps it moving, um, he could definitely win it on points. I'm going to go Ken on points. Yeah, Jason, you misheard uh, Rob Kelly. It wasn't uh, Danny Jacobs. It was Gary Jacobs, Scottish fighter who fought Pernell Whitaker. Good fighter, Gary. South poor. Uh, Jewish finest. Yeah. Jason says Clarissa Shields seems a horrible person, but I'd soak up her braids with the Chukru holy water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking that. <laughs> 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 Fucking what a man, what a man. Right, let's move on, Aussie. Lightweight, quarterfinal number four. Who's going to be joining Lomachenko, Duran and Ken Buchanan? We could, we're going to say, tell you what, this rate, we're going to have we're going to have a couple of fights that have already happened, aren't we? I think, possibly, anyway. Quarterfinal number four, Manny Pacquiao against Terence Crawford, Ozzy. Uh, 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 difficult, this one. R really difficult. Um, I mean, I've seen it in the news now, and Bob Arum described it as a blockbuster fight, and I think that's probably it's a great way to describe it. Um, 
we all know how good Pacquiao was, uh, the way he's rolled through the weights, certainly not lost that power, um, nor the speed as well. And I think the one thing you can probably say is that Crawford's not come up against somebody like Pacquiao who pulls in the problems. But Crawford's also got his own ability, his own qualities as well. Um, very well-rounded fighter, big, strong, uh, can punch. Uh oh. I'm probably going to side with. I'm probably going to go with Pacquiao in this one. Uh, I don't think there would be a. I don't think it'd be a stoppage. Uh, I think it'd be a very close fight. Talking like a one fifteen, one thirteen to Pacquiao. Pacquiao moves forward. Then, boys, let's put it into the mix and see who we've got. Obviously, Buchanan. I'm going to try and. Trying to see if I can fix this. Could be Buchanan, obviously, fought against Duran. Let's have a look. Right, Andy, this is this is a tough one for you here. You're going to love this one, Andy. Vasil Lomachenko against Roberto Duran. <laughs> uh, fuck, man. I mean, it was, if it was one thing that really bothered Duran, really, was, was movers. Um, but I'm telling you, see, see if, if, if Duran gets... gets uh, Catches him like Lenares like, 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 like caught him. Um, just uh, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to say Duran knocks him out. I'm I'm going to say knocks him out. I just think he's he is very cute. He could he could turn him. Um, he'll have his moments, and he'll probably make those moments count and stuff. You know, and Duran really looked to kind of, it didn't matter who you were actually looked like to fucking try and hurt you. I'm going to say Duran knocks him out. I'm going to go late stoppage if we're going. You know, another fighter who fought fifteen rounds. Um, a savage pace there. If he was, if he was, if he was, if he was committed, dedicated, and bang on the weight, it was a fucking monster to deal with. I'm going to, yeah, Duran knockout. What round do you think, Andy? I'm going to go round good ten. Light, yeah, round good ten. Yeah. Okay, Roberto Duran moves forward. Now, Rob, it's all down on you. We could have a dead Rob as a final here, but Ken Buchanan against Manny Pacquiao. Rob, prime for prime, Ken Buchanan against Manny Pacquiao. Um, I think Pacquiao by stoppage. Yeah. Too much, too much uh, firepower. Not that Ken Buchanan couldn't have given him problems counterpunching and all Ala Marquez, but I just think Manny Pacquiao would overwhelm him. Too much, too much power, too much speed. Interesting. Manny goes through. Then obviously Roberto Duran fought Ken Buchanan, uh, winning the fight. Was it thirteenth round, Andy, by knockout to the bollocks? It was me. I uh, should have really been a foul. Actually, I remember yes. one night at a dinner show. Uh, you know, it was Ken Buchanan and Robert, uh, Roberto Duran at the top table, and uh, Ken gets up to give his wee speech and stuff. And uh, just before he finishes, he turned around and they got the translator to say this to Roberto Duran. He says, "Roberto, every time I go for a pish, I think about you." Not been at all, Buchanan. The pain's still fucking real. Oh my god! Yeah, he cut him in half with that low blow that night. Like that was <laughs> Jesus, man. That I was bet he like that was the evil one. <laughs> See, I was I was talking to him actually the night Josh Taylor fought Dale Ryan. Actually, just I said to him, I asked him a question. Outside of Duran, who was the best fighter ever fought? And he says Laguna. I think he was the first right out of his mouth that he need to think about it, think about it twice. Ishmael Laguna was the best fighter ever fought. It was bad. I remember. It was only when I was really getting into the sport. Obviously, Duran was ahead, 
and he was giving him like a lot of trouble. But I mean, you can't end a fight on that. That's why I'm not a fan of saying, well, you know, I mean, Joanne was beating him up anyway, or, you know, this was happening. If my, you know, my auntie had a cock, she'd be my uncle and all this type of stuff. And you well, can't seriously end a fight 13 on that. Points, 13 points ahead in the league and, you know. <laughs> I know, but I mean, there's low and then there's that, man. No, 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 no. That was vicious. Like I said, that was vicious. You could see the pain on Buchanan's face, even on the grainy footage, man. You see him, he's fucking buckled. It's I've horrible, like. I've actually got a great drawing there, actually. You see, uh, you see Duran getting pulled away by the ref, and you've got fucking Ken Buchanan folded up against the ropes, not a cup in his bollocks. Just as you talk about him, right? go watch the, the, the Ray Lampkin knockout. You've never seen any like it. I've never seen a guy get fucking in the spot like this and Duran says right after the fight is the guy's getting carried out in, the, out in the stretcher he says what that knockout feel like he says it doesn't, it says, it doesn't matter he says the knockout doesn't matter unless he goes to the morgue rather than the hospital that was his fucking comments I was like why is him coming out with that shit nowadays man they'd be fucking uproars snowflakes on Twitter that be going mental Let's move on to the final then we've got three so we're going to let everybody have a chance here and then obviously I'll aggregate the winner so we've got three so by my calculations here we're gonna have a 2-1 victory i'm gonna stay the hell out of this uh we'll go to you first aussie lightweight final so let's let's recap the previous winners then shall we uh, heavyweight we had larry holmes whenever we started this so uh, many weeks ago who knows uh, cruiserweight winner was evander holyfield light heavyweight winner was roy jones jr super middleweight winner was james tony middleweight was sugar ray Robinson, light middleweight was Nino Benvenuti. Welterweight was Sugar Ray Leonard. Light welterweight or super lightweight, whichever you prefer, was Costa Zoo. So the lightweight final, Aussie, first one to you. You can have two minutes or less. Roberto Duran against Manny Pacquiao. No pressure. No pressure at all. Um, Duran by stoppage. Uh, I think we all know how good Duran was at lightweight. Arguably one of the best, if not the best. Um, certainly not a brawler. Can punch. Um, can make his opponent, you know, make the opponent miss and capitalise on every mistake. Uh, and he showed it in brutal fashion as well. We've seen Pacquiao get hurt off the likes of Marquez and badly knocked out before. And I think Duran could do the same thing. Certainly think he'd have somewhat easy, uneasy moments. Pacquiao, as always, you know, he can punch as well. He can move. He's got very quick hands. But I think Duran would, um, would be would ultimately come out the winner and stop him in eight, nine rounds. There's one for Duran then. Roberto Duran versus Manny Pacquiao. Andy, who you got? Hey, Duran. Um, hmm. I'm going to go... I'm going to go stoppage as well. I think uh, Manny El Macho is... When he got tagged in that, especially if you look at the Morales fights, that when when he went straight at him and actually had him backing up, Manny had no had no clue what to do really. He just put his hands high up, backed up against as high as he could go, and up against the ropes and stuff. If Duran just fucking kept going at him, pinned him up against the ropes, that he would just work him all night. And um, I've said it before, Manny's Manny's glass of the body at times, or shown he's been glass of the body. And I think uh, you either get cut in half or get broken down in the body. And eventually stop, either eventually stop, but or maybe even counted out on the on the floor, on his knees or whatever, not trying to get up. So yeah, I'm going to say Janan. Yeah, not a late stoppage. I'll say I'll say like ten round again. Okay, two for Duran. Then it's all on you, rapping Rob Kelly. There's no chance for Manny Pacquiao. Who you got, Pacquiao Duran final of the lightweights? 
Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against John as the you know greatest lightweight of all time that he has to win against anybody, doesn't he? If he's the greatest, like so. Um, I think yeah, Stoppage could be on the cards. I think um, you know you have to take into consideration like Duran's only Stoppage loss in his prime is against Hearns, where he absolutely got slept by one of the biggest punchers in history. So, and that wasn't that lightweight. So I couldn't see Manny knocking him out. Um, and I couldn't see him. I think it'd be unbelievable if they had like a 12-round fight with the two of them in their prime, high energy, you know, punches exchange. But Duran's movement is not really spoken about as much to talk about. He's a destroyer, but his like his lateral movement and his defence, he was like, well, not Mayweather level, like, but he's up there, like, he's very difficult to hit even when he's right in front of you. And Manny had trouble with that kind of style. Um, you know, a lot of his. You know, Aaron was brilliant for, for Manny and the whole team, Freddie Roach and all them, they were brilliant for Manny because as good as a fighter he was, he got on a run where he got fellas at just the right time. You know, just coming off a loss, just coming down, not not taking anything away from his resume, but they were brilliant at matchmaking him. And I think fellas with that kind of style were avoid, avoided. And if he's, if Duran's right in front of him doing that lateral movement, that dipping and diving and that, um, I think it's only, it'd be only one winner that night. Well done, Roberto. You won some awards over your time, but you've won our lightweight list. That's probably right up there with the best of them. Just before we go on to belly of the week, then a couple of points of interest here. I hope you indulge me. You know, I like a bit of bullshit, a bit of nerdiness on a Sunday evening. I mentioned earlier a couple of the guys that fought Arthur Gregorian. One of them was Sanjo Casamonica. Another one was Stefano Zoff. And the interesting thing about these two guys, they both got beaten during the early 2000s by a Welsh fighter called Jason Cook. If you remember this guy, mention him in the chat or mention him in the YouTube comments during the week. He appeared on Sky in the early 2000s. Early on in his career, he hadn't really done much. He got knocked out in his fourth or fifth fight by a journeyman. He was sort of slinking along, beat Peter Buckley, got a win for the Welsh area title against a guy with 33 wins. Anyway, somehow... He managed to get a, Europe, a vacant European title shot, did Mr. Cook, back in 2002, on away soil against the home fighter, an Italian called Sandro Casamonica, who went on, or had already fought Gregorian by this point, actually. Anyway, uh, Jason goes over to uh, Italy, knocks out Casamonica. He had a big left hook. He was a big puncher, Cook. Gets the title, brings it back to Bridgend in Wales. This is live on Sky. you got Ian Dark, Bean on commentary. Uh, mm. Fights against Stefano Zoff, El Pirata, the pirate. He's about 44 years of age by this point. Goes to Bridgend, fights against Cook. Cook beats him on a split decision. Zoff also lost to Gregorian for the world title, so he was no mug. Anyway, Jason Cook's run continues. For some reason, he got rid of the European title, ends up fighting for a vacant IBO, a world lightweight title, which were all the... You know, all the craze, IBO and WBU back then. I don't know why. The British title was pretty much put on the back burner. Anyway, uh, Mr. Cook beats Oliveira. Then he beats Kevin Bennett in defence of his title. And he then went on to lose to Aldo Rios in 2004 in the Hereford Leisure Centre by knockout. Aldo Rios was a decent fighter. He went to fight on to fight Ricky Hatton. Or he might no, he'd already fought Ricky Hatton by this point for the WBU title, got knocked out, beat Jason Cook. Shout out to Jason Cook, basically, Andy. I do apologize for this bullshit. Sure, hey. a, just an interesting guy, come out of nowhere, won the European title on the road, defended it against a former world title challenger. He had a right good run. I don't know if you remember Cook. I didn't actually, but just as you mentioned at Santa Monica, I might going to pull up a fight if it's available on, on YouTube and that. But see the the, the Aldo Rios fight, he actually lost that belt because he failed a test for diuretics, actually. So that's who ended up losing that belt, Rios. 
There you go. Yeah, I remember. And then he ended, else, he ended up yeah. fighting Gavin Reese. On, uh, I remember that fight actually on because that was Gavin Reese also coming back. I think Cook and Gavin Reese were basically coming back uh, to boxing after a fair layoff. That's when they ended up fighting them prize fighter. Yes, Lee, Lee the alcoholic says, yeah, he ended up in the prize fighter, Andy, you're quite right. Yeah, I think Reese won that tournament as a light welter, and he eventually went on to pick up, I think he, did he not pick up the European belt? Did he not go to, f- I want to say he went to France, did they know him, won it? Did they know? Who, who's that, Reese? Gavin Reese. did he not go to France? I'm, did no, I make that up? He beat Solomon and Boy for the WBA title, but that was in the UK, I think, and then he lost to Katelnik, didn't he, on Satanta, got his head bashed off. I'm saying to you. Yeah, Chuck Roo says about Jason Cook. He went, he did. He went four years without boxing from two thousand and five to. 2000. He was a strange guy. He never looked in great shape, but he had this big, powerful left hook. There we go, Gavin Reese. He won the vacant belt, European belt against Andy Murray, but and he he drew with Derry Matthews in a cut. He went to France and defended it, and he won. I think that's right because Billy Nelson was in the corner that night. Actually, I'm good. sure he was with. Is he name? Mister Bell's trainer's name again? Christ. Chris Anago. No. Oh, I know he's Bristol, isn't he? Oh, fuck. What's his name? Well, she got Gary Lockett, Enzo, Gary Lockett. Gary Lockett. And then they had the rematch with Matthews and they locked him out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. after funny. that, it was, it was Broner after that. <laughs> funny you mentioned that Andy Murray because uh, he stopped us ushering um, up in the stadium there in Dublin. And uh, before the fight, I was saying to Ushin, like, it's like, it's like just like a Terminator. Like, he's just coming straight forward. Like, you have to get around the outside of him. Like, don't stand in front of him. <laughs> so I've in front of him and anyway he ended up getting stopped but Gavin Reese beat him in the next fight with that that style he just got around the side of him like he just spun him you see him just coming straight forward he just spun him all night pumped the head off him. he was a good fighter Gavin Reese. he doesn't really get that much credit like he was pretty good yeah I remember the night Moy fought Oshin I was at that fight actually Oshin wasn't happy at all he you know he really was not no, pleased he, with, the, with the stoppage and that they pulled him out like didn't they yeah, he yeah. wanted to go on but he was yeah we talked about that like before as well like his He's not going to move his head, like, so you're not going to teach an old dog new tricks at the age he was. That was his fighting style, like, so I think, that, you know, the boys did him a favour that night, pulling him out, like, you don't, you don't want to be taking shots like that straight down the middle all night, like, no. Especially after the fights he'd had with Highland and stuff as well, and, you know, there was a few miles on the clock there as well, like, you know what I mean? So, um, I think that was all, it was a, it was an okay stoppage on their point, uh, from their point of view. Yeah, Andrew Murray, one of Brian Peters' staples of RTE. Saw many an Andy Murray fight over the years. Nice guy, actually. Not a, not a big talker, but real nice fellow. He's groomed for a lot of big things. But yeah, he ended up fighting Gavin Reese, and he was just nerves. Reese was a diff- was another level for Murray, but no, he was a good fighter, very skilled. Probably should have done a bit more, actually. Uh, talking of fighters who should have done a bit more, Ozzy Andrew Selby apparently has retired. I can't say I'm surprised, unfortunately. He has, yeah, and he's he's out of the ring. Antics have ultimately took its toll. Uh, I think we saw the best of him when he was in the World Boxing Super Series and from there he was tremendous and sadly it's been a battle for him. I, I think there was many high hopes when he turned over that he could go on to do great things uh, and ultimately will his career will go unfulfilled. Um, obviously challenge for a world title against that. Julio Cesar Martinez went out to Mexico. Um, I think he's been somewhat poorly poorly managed and advised in a way. I mean, like they, they went out for, for that Mexican show. Um, I think that was a final eliminator. Didn't win the purse bid. And it was, you know, so many metres above sea level and things like that. And as I say, everything that was going on outside the ring, you know, he had a lot of personal issues and um, things that we don't need to get into um, basically at this time of night now. 
Uh, and yeah, I, I think there's an argument you could have said he could have he could have easily been a two eight world champion at fly and super fly. Certainly had the skills and the ability. And a real shame, a real loss. Very very talented fighter, very skillful. And it's uh, it's sad to see him go. I think what's he called it quits at thirty or something like that. So you, you never know. He, he, he might have you know twelve eighteen months out or something like that and possibly return, but if that is it, then it's a real shame. I fear, though, Ozzy, he seems like the type who would maybe turn up in three years with a big beard, uncut hair, belly, at like light welterweight or something. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. I mean, imagine that. I mean, he's tiny as it is. Can you imagine him rocking up, coming back at night because he needs the dough or something like that? But fingers crossed. No, I mean, uh, look, a hell of a lot has gone on outside the ring. Um, and I think for him just to call it quits it's probably that's probably a win for it in itself because he's been boxing probably what it's probably been one of these you know since he was a young kid uh he's been tr- he was he was excellent as an amateur didn't he i think he won everything he could yeah um and yeah so yeah I, I hope he doesn't come back with a big beard long hair big belly trying to uh trying to do a frankie gavin at 140 and stuff like that but no, um, if he does come back and you know what, he gets everything back on track, then I certainly think he's got a place in the flying superfly division. Yes, Andy, before we go on to Bellew's final one for you, uh, Holt threw in a uh, question. He said, uh, last week's tournament got me thinking, what do you think of Tim Sue versus Jeff Horn? Is Tim any cop? Anything like his father? Loved his dad back in the day. A heck of a fighter, as you all said. We're all big Costa Zou fans here. If he does anything even approaching uh, his dad, he'd be going pretty well. I'd say maybe Bob Arum will have a look, try and get him over to America at some point. I've seen his last couple of fights, actually, Andy. Dwight Ritchie. Uh, he beat him on points. Then he gave Jack Brewbreaker a bit of a, a, bit of a hammering, to be honest. He can, see, he can punch, I think, like the yeah. old man, can't he? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a pretty much a good I just think, you know, the lack of opposition. I, I was really looking forward to the Jeff Horn fight as well because um, I think it was a dispute about the weight, actually, and they, they finally got it agreed. I think it was happening somewhere just running a bit middleweight. Uh, and, they, you know, I just think at this point, Zoo hasn't really kind of fought any level of competition. And I think Horn would be, you know, a... A good benchmark, really, because you know Denton Vassell was like, uh, what was he like, a, a, a part-time fighter? I think he was like, a, you know, a banker or something He's like a banker, that. Banker, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I just think the, the gradual up in class that it's just been pretty gradual. So the Horn fight would definitely see where he's at and stuff like that, if he's going to be like anything like his dad and that, because Horn is rough and he's going to make it you know very tough fight, and we'll see if his power's all legit as well because. Uh, He's going to need that every inch, inch of that power, I think, unless he can actually kind of maybe cut him up. Like, you know, Horn's going pretty bad to kind of cut up and stuff. Um, we've seen what Crawford did to him, actually. You know, I know it's at a lesser weight and he's probably kind of stripped himself a wee bit, but, you know, he, he certainly jumped up the, the weight a wee bit, uh, Horn, right after that fight. So you would think, physically at least, I think Horn would be the stronger man in the ring. So it's going to be really an interesting fight to see how Sue approaches it. Um Especially with the kind of like you know the pressure that, that, that Horn will bring, and again as well, I wonder what Horn's got left as well because he's had a tough career, seeing how he fights and stuff and the punishment he's took. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. But um, I'm not going to see how shots, it goes. Doesn't he Horn? Unnecessary he shots. Mm-hmm. He does. And you just wonder as well as if Zoo has got that legit power like his dad, he could potentially just chip Woo-hoo! away at him. Yeah, <laughs> could chip away he's at him. Just a well over fucking Australia. Yeah. What weight is that at, Andy? 
Well, me, uh, well, Zoo's been at one fifty four. I'm sure Horn had a fight at middleweight. Steve, I don't know if you can check that for me. But um, he did, didn't he fight? Uh, what's his name? Oh, what's oh Zarafa. Think... Zarafa. Oh, Zarafa. Didn't they? No, yeah, Australian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, didn't have a pay per view fight with um Mundine. Mundine. That's his Mundine. Yeah, that was middleweight, wasn't it? That was middleweight. Probably, I would be. He got battered off Zarafa. Uh, got knocked out in the ninth, and then he picked him on a decision. I don't know how close it was. I mean, the cards are all over the place. Um, I'm saying those because I remember um, at the time I was trying to kind of I was following the story at the time. I just want to see what the weight was. Um, well, what the dispute was. Give me a second here. Sorry, Steve, mate, if you want to keep going. No, you're fine. I'll, ju I'll just add in while you're looking. I think the fact he got battered by Zarafa is a bad look, and they're probably looking at it thinking, you know what? Zoo can punch. We think Horn's on the slide. This could be a good legitimate name, and we'll probably knock him out too. That's what they're thinking of. Yeah. You're right. I agree with that. I, I agree. Any any joy, Andy? I'm still trying to find it, mate. Hang on a second here. I think I might have found it here. It's certainly a more than winnable fight, in my opinion. As you say, it'll ultimately show whether Zoo is le somewhat legit or not. If he goes out and blasts Horn out, you know, in a couple of rounds, two or three rounds, then, yeah, he's clearly got ability. But um, it's going to be interesting. Yep. So um, he fought Gary Cochran. Remember that fight, Jeff Horn? Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So he, he fought Mundine at 156. And apparently, the, the Tim Zoo fight was actually finally determined to be a Hartman at 154. Right. So I, I, I always thought it was like I was trying to get it a catch weight, like running about the 160 mark and stuff. But clearly, I think Zoo's maybe kind of held firm, maybe kind of let a couple of, a couple of few dollars go just to kind of get the horn and stuff. Because I think the guys are roughly about the same size anyway. You know, like height-wise and stuff like that, but I just think maybe kind of like the more natural, thicker guy is going to be Jeff Horn. But what did you see? And I think Zim Zoo's only what now? Early 32. 20s? Horn's 32. You think Z Zoo's maybe got a wee bit of grown still to do as well? You know, yeah, Horn's a full grown definitely. man, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. I I that, that. that Zarafa wasn't great. We saw him against Kel Brook. Now, I know Brook's decent, but Brook was pretty substandard that night anyway. And I didn't look at Zarafa and think, you're, you know, you're very good. And then from the chat, then Zarafa was getting pasted, uh, was pasting um, Horn again in the second fight. So I would take Zoo in that. I think they're going to match him quite well. And I think this is what, from what Steve said, they think this is a fight that's there for the taking. Um, big old, you know, like all Australian fight. Good name for Zoo's record and can look good in doing it. As you say, Horn's one of Horn's main forms of defence is he's just used his head. Um, they will throw right. some big shots so he can look good in doing it, can't he? Beat up Jeff Horn, you know, potentially knock him out. Um, I hope it goes ahead. I mean, it'll, I probably won't know until they can get crowds back, probably, Andy. Yeah, well, that was we that without say, a crowd, would we? Well, I was just going to say, I, I noticed uh, just last weekend New Zealand actually had a full stadium for a rugby match, I think. So oh. I don't know how that area is. Oh, yeah. right. They were clear New Zealand, and then they got another yeah. couple of cases, so they're pretty uh, much... I imported yeah. cases for, for the UK as well. Yeah, it's was... 25. He looks like a ch he looks just like the old man, just looking at him there, man. It's crazy. But yeah, they'll love that. They'll they'll be all over that, the Aussies. What, they're oh, $50? Pay-per-view. five-bit between legends! You know, you can just see oh, right 
the son of the seed of a legend against Jeff Horn, who has beat a legend in Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> Holy shit. It was like that time when Roy Jones when Roy Jones got smashed up off that was a Danny Green I think it was they become a legend they go out and be a legend I'm like dude that you can't that's a fucking washed up ghost that's just fucking smashed up there. <laughs> fucking hell oh, fuck. remember the, the person that was maddest about that was B-Hop because he was lining up the fucking rematch and it still had a bit of interest and he was like no the referee can't stop that fight you have to give Roy Jones a chance to go out on his feet <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nobody quite does it like the Aussies. Anyway, yeah, we've got high hopes for Sue. I'm interested to see how he gets on. 15 and 0, 11 knockouts. He's doing well. Looks like the old man. Punches like him as well. Okay, guys, Belly of the Week, so episode 378. Got quite a few to get through. A few funny ones as well. Rob's still with us. So's Ozzy and so's Andy. First one here, Rob. This is an interesting one. Sky Sports Boxing put it out. Nelson versus Jones Jr. Sky's Johnny Nelson versus real Roy Jones Jr. The great cruiserweight fight that never happened, question mark. Now, I, I'm racking my brains here, Rob. I can't ever remember anybody asking to see Roy Jones versus Johnny Nelson at Cruiserweight. Can you? I remember. The, the only thing I can remember is I remember when Tyson was on his UK tour that Johnny Nelson was vocal about wanting that fight. But I never remember him saying Roy Jones. This is another thing with Steve Collins, apparently. Steve Collins was chasing Roy Jones forever. I remember like, he might have turned up at one press conference or something. I don't think like, it was, was making it his life's mission, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if uh, if that's a fight anyone would have wanted to see, but I know who would have won it. Like, um, for fucking hell, man. Yeah, maybe Johnny Nelson. I almost have forgot Johnny Nelson wanted to uh, bring it to Roy Jones. I don't know, man. The thing is, though, Andy, they me- they've been mentioning a lot of Johnny Nelson lately. Uh, the other day, they mentioned him in the top five cruiserweights or top three cruiserweights or whatever it was. There's a lot of historical revisionism going on about Nelson's uh-huh. career. He was a good fighter. He was very fit, strong, effective at what he did. But do you remember that WBO reign towards the end when he was fighting guys like Alexander Petkovic, Rudy Gamay, and Vincenzo <laughs> Cantatore? <laughs> this was l- this was European-level stuff, man. I mean, Nelson wasn't great. Remember Rudy Gamay? The guy that he fucking fought. Some German trash. Yeah. Fucking, he got smashed off, off Herbie Hyde in two rounds. Right? <laughs> this is the guy who, is, his greatest moment, shit the fucking bed against, um, what's his name? Ka- uh, Carlos de Leon. Uh, one of the yeah. most awful, shittiest fight. I mean, listen, I actually tried my, well, just this that lockdown and stuff, I tweeted out, I actually tried to sit and watch a couple of these fucking fights. I lost interest with, within like two, what, Two or three rounds. Um, I remember, like, I watched about the Andres fight, for example. So, so what? That's just a fucking shambles, man. Andres was a light heavyweight. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, again, it's it's, it's more along the lines of, like the, the WBO, what it was at that point, you know, and it was just like a European world title belt, and it was just opened up doors for guys for, like again, like Eastern Europe and Argentina, Brazil. Fucking Johnny Nelson's a Sheffield and all that sort of stuff. You know, you know, it's just just absolute trash, absolute trash. But as I say, you know, for, for all his faults, that you know, he, he hung weight. I'll give Nelson that he hung weight. He could have easily. I mean, he, he, he took a lot, a lot of jibes, man. I mean, a lot of, mentally tough. I'll give him that because the shit that he got pelted at him when he was a pro at the time, man, it was like proper personal stuff and that. You know, and he kept, he kept you. Some of the stories about him getting dismantled and, and sparring is crazy in that. And uh, just, just take fucking liberties with him. 
but he just kept hanging away. And you know, I suppose in the end, that you know, he he finally got his fears kind of like clamped to a point. But God, he was awful to watch, and he just absolutely extracted the urine with the entertainer moniker, like. No, I, I agree with Andy. Like I said, I'm not trying to shit on him. He was always in shape. He did his best. He could have quit early on. He got a lot of pelters. He came back. He was mentally strong. I'll give him a lot of credit. I'm not not trying to denigrate his career, but it's been his career has been like sort of uh, photoshopped by this Sky uh, social media over the last few years, trying to make it out like something that it wasn't. No, nobody was interested. He was just a decent well, fighter, WBO champion, sort of European level opponents. Nothing more, nothing less. Nobody wanted to see him fight Roy Jones. Nobody wanted to see him fight anybody. The last fight I remember before he retired, they were talking about fighting Enzo yeah. Macronelli. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to say, I mean, we're just talking about Kigori in there like what like half hour ago. I mean, I'm not hating the guy, but the guy has something like crazy title defenses, something like Nelson, I think Nelson, something similar defenses as well. Something like 17, 18, 19 defenses. But look at it in context, man. Let's look at who he beat. Fucking nobody. Okay, I mean, I'm not like shooting Carl Thompson and Ezra Sellers now, but you know, they're they're like I kind of like like for every Ezra Sellers and for every fucking Carl Thompson, there was like three or four fucking bags of shit. You know, either before or after it. You know, so, but the Thompson one was a dodgy stoppage as well. Exactly. Know? We might get the rematch. Remember until Thompson got uh, got smashed up off. Was it Sellers? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that that been right out the one day. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a wee bit of revisionism. I think. Uh, you know, it's just everything else. You know, your career kind of like kinda takes on like leaps and bounds. But as you say, mate, it's been photoshopped that career. You know, calm the fuck down, Johnny Nelson. You ask anybody in the fucking boxing gym, you know, run about circa nine, you know, circa 15, 20 years ago, and that they'll tell you, no bonus me. He was fucking awful. I mean, he was a good gym fighter apparently, but uh, in in the ring when when under the bright lights and when, when it really mattered, that my god, he could stink it up. Yeah, Lee's right there. They never talked about Jim. Exactly, Jim Watt's career like that. You know, let's go back through Macklin's career. Get Clinton Woods. Well, he tells it too straight. They got rid of him, didn't they? Get some, you know, these guys on the Frotch, Fair enough. Talk about Frotch's career all day. Been there, done it. Got the oh, ones, got the t-shirt. Please, I've heard it all before, man. No, but at least you can sort of say when they put Frotch into these conversations online, there's a bit of you know credence to it, like. But I mean, come on, man, Johnny Nelson, stop it now, stop it. Anyway. We're giving him far too much time, I think, aren't we? Good old Johnny. Yeah, I, I spoke to him once in, in Dublin. He's a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> disclaimer after all that. Uh, Shawnee Buckle nominated that one anyway. Uh, no Consent Hearn, No Consent Boxing, has nominated Coach Kavanagh. First thing I check on a fighter is their ass, says Coach Kavanagh. Then their arms. The bigger the ass and the smaller the guns, the more confident I'll be in their ability to generate power. Big guns and pecs tell me they're preparing for the beach. All show, no go. Coach Kavanagh. Last night, my, my son had a free sports TV on, um, for channel 422 on Sky, and there was this um, these, these two Japanese girls fighting on like one boxing or one championship, it was like a UFC type thing. I don't, I don't really like that, but they're in a clinch on the floor, and the next minute, the one girl sort of sits her face, sits her ass, sorry, on the other girl's face, and she's sitting on her, and the girl's trying to wriggle free, and the, the, you know, she's there with her ass in her face. And my son says, I hope she doesn't let one go, otherwise, the fight will be straight over. <laughs> so, <laughs> qualification. <laughs> <laughs> the the arts can be, can be useful in the old UFC, I think, is the point there. Uh, right, anyway, CR Boxing is nominated <laughs> something. 
Uh, let's have a look what he's... Oh, here we are, Andy. Close your ears now. Uh, pound for pound boxing opinions oh, got stuck in here. CR Boxing oh. said, how would middleweight Roberto Duran do against Canelo, Triple G, or Billy Joe Saunders? Pound for pound boxing opinion says, think they all beat him? Yeah, I mean, oh, Christ me, that's no weapons grade. We'd that guy smoking, man. That's just... That's just delusional, you know. And the thing is, that he actually goes on to try and say as well as, you know, if, if you look at... Um, it actually goes and points to say that if you if you look at the David Lemieux fight, it says it showed that Saunders had uh, shows movement and is a stationary target. Who gives a fuck? Fucking Duran's going to be hunting you out of that ring, man. You have to find an engagement at some point. Um, who's other two names? Canelo and Golovkin. Mello, Triple G, and Billy Joe Saunders. Marcus Aye. Bellinger nominated. It was pound for pound boxing Aye. opinions. Aye. Saunders, I mean, if we're talking about Saunders' fight, I mean, I, I, would, I would expect Canelo and Golovkin to be a far better fight. And you remember as well, this is a, a Duran at this point, maybe, but, but he's fucking mid 30s by this point, and he's like slapping fucking Iran Bartley and David Moore about like they were fucking used condoms, man. What the fuck? And fucking, you think Billy Joe Saunders is going gonna, is gonna to handle that? Fucking calm the fuck. Jesus Christ. The conversation continued on CR Boxing. Kilo Jake at Analyze Wildlife, a regular listener, shout out, said if the middleweights are at their best, they all beat him handily. Wheelchair Dan said, I've had to decide over the last five minutes if you're trolling and I still ain't sure. Kilo Jake said, I'm not. He wasn't an elite. The fight went on. Sam Dorsett said, there's only one way to deal with this sort of nonsense. He tagged in at Asylum BOTW so we could discuss it here. Kilo Jake said, Billy Joe's a natural middleweight. And we'll just get on his bike. Sam Dorsey it wasn't happy. It went back and forward. There was another one Andy nominated as well. Uh, quite the conversation starter. Matteo Politaro said, uh, Duran beats Triple G. Billy Joe Saunders may be too crafty for Duran, but I think he beats him too. I don't know about Canelo. <laughs> it's a 50 oh, I mean, Fuck off. I mean, come on, you fuck, man. Billy Joe Saunders might be too crafty for Duran. Andy might be too crafty for him. Uh, what, was, what was the Golovkin story? Oh, yeah. What was his Golovkin breakdown? He said he thinks that Duran beats Triple G. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders might be too crafty for him, and he thinks that oh, uh, Canelo was a 50-50. Absolutely fuck off. I mean, if, hey, okay, I, I, I can take the point that the Golovkin would be too, you know, uh, Duran could be too crafty for Golovkin, especially on, on an inside fight. But he could, he could easily be crafty for Canelo as well, you know, on, on, on the inside. And fucking Billy Joe Saunders... Couldn't they fucking punch smoke, man? So I was really, really going to say that you know Saunders is going to be like an outwork, out hustle, and outbox one of the legends of all time. I be fucking. This is what we're seriously fucking coming at. This, this, this fucking idiot. Pound for pound boxing opinions. I can't believe they create these fucking moniker fucking boxing. Yeah. Twitter handles, man. Fucking hell. Come I like on. The way he says Saunders would be too crafty for Duran. Like, <laughs> it's like he's just trying to say, like, you know, yeah, without doubt, Saunders beats him. Golovkin's in a tight fight, and, you know, Canelo's up in the air. Like, shut the fuck up. Go ahead, Rob. No, I was just laughing at what Andy was saying. Over Billy Dawson. What's me sound like now? Hold on. Let me do, let me do a quick audio check there. Oh, I'm getting four or five. That's better. Be right. A lot better, Rob. It's just the wind now, but you sound you sound a lot better. Wind? No, I'm bringing these back. It's supposed to be noise reducing. How the fuck did you know it was windy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. You sound good now. 
Right, so even far right, better. Cool. Shout out Bean really loud. Let's ch- test. So Bean, one, two, Bean. Bean! <laughs> Here you go. Bob Kelly's out there, still living. Uh, Danny Robson has nominated Points Bet Sportsbook. A vicious body shot by Roy Jones put Virgil Ortiz down in the fourth round. Later <laughs> named KO of the year. I think they meant Virgil Hill, didn't they, Andy? I've cut that screenshot off a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, Virgil Hill, definitely. Virgil Hill. Good fighter was Virgil Hill back in the day. Johnny Joyce is uh, celebrating the fact he got a photograph with uh, the great Prince Nazim Mohammed one year ago. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag bad boy Joyce. That was nominated from Don Harrow. Prince Nazim Mohammed. <laughs> 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 oh, upcoming opponent for Prince Patel, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, every possibility, by the way. There's always a Mohammed somewhere. Good old Prince. Uh, Eddie Hearn has released a book, Relentless. Lockdown oh. has given me the opportunity to focus on some projects that I wouldn't normally have time for. And nominated, by, nominated by Gary Lockwood here, Andy. Nominate yeah. Hearn for Value of the Week. He claims a relentless work ethic is what helps you to succeed. So does yeah. Daddy's Millions, yeah, says Gary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chapter one, how to spend Daddy's Millions. Chapter two, how to bully girls in private school. Chapter three, how to get on the board of directors and let the orient and fuck up that club for good style. <laughs> Chapter four, how to go about fucking up your life and just basically talking bullshit. Oh my god, man, I could go on for ages about this, man. What a ego! Really what, a, what a fucking ego that man's got, man. Who wants to give a fuck about what okay. he does? Really onto something there. Who who would have ever thought if you work really hard you could be successful? He's so <laughs> a fucking genius. <laughs> How has nobody picked up on this before? <laughs> what a prick. <laughs> Evening, Eddie. <laughs> Evening, Eddie, exactly. Yeah, we bring up the old... Uh, let's just get it up here, shall we? Oh, trying to get it up on a Sunday evening. Yeah, stay humble and you'll never crumble, says Aunt Femi. Got all the banners on. There we go. Right, let's move on to the next one. Owen Spillane, friend of the pod. Good lad, Owen. Hope you're well out there. Sent in this one. Someone's in for a nasty surprise, says Owen. Uh, Amir Khan tweeted out on for Bernardo's, the children's charity. Do you want to win a virtual hangout with Amir Khan? Says Bernardo's. Enter our prize man. draw by text five pounds entry. Support some of the UK's most vulnerable children. <laughs> 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 Amir says, join, oh, me in 15... join me in 15 oh. minutes. We could talk <laughs> on a video call, yeah. says Amir. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the PR person has to go there? Like, you have to go. I'm sorry. Like, who let that one slide? Oh my god. <laughs> oh. oh dear, that's a good one. Oh, Shout dear. out to Owen Spillane for sending that one in. I should have texted it and I could have put it up on like, the screen. It's like American and Jaws 2 just when they thought it was safe to go back on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Well done. Uh, okay, moving on. <clears throat> Let's see what we've got here. The Athletic Box. We're asking... Um, looking into the future pound-for-pound pound fighters for 2025, boxing's pound-for-pound pound list. Uh, Abhishek jumped in and said, the best boxer of all time will be Ryan Garcia. He's going to blow up. I'm assuming he's going to join some kind of terrorist cell because I don't think he's going to become the best boxer of all time. He's going to blow up, apparently, according to Abhishek. Uh, Javier Serrano nominated him for that one. Ricky Gravel has nominated Aaron Hughes. Any chance of a joint narration, Eddie, with Coogan Cassius for your audio book? Yeah. 
see how we get on with that one. Uh, Matt, Eggy, Phil has nominated Ricky Ellis. I don't care. Fury versus Joshua is worth £50. It's a once-in-a-lifetime fight, says Ricky. Uh, here's one for you, Andy. Kel Brook, talking to boxing scene. Once mm. I beat Terence Crawford, he can have a rematch. That's good of him. Ah, he's fucking, that's a very gentlemanly move by him. Problem is, he's not even winning the fucking first fight. He's going to quit again. Fucking hell. And I guess to, you know, what way is it going to be? I mean, he, could, he told us he's the best 154 fighter on the, on, on the planet. That fight's not happening at 154. Kilbrook. Brooks done. Wasn't he just retired? Eddie, let him retire. Are you listening, Ed? Let that guy retire for goodness sake. Like Bell, yeah. you. Leave I him know. alone. Leave my lane, by the way. I mean, the thing is, just leave Brook alone as well because you just, I know you've got struggling. I know you've got to fill pay per view dates and stuff like that. Well, it's all good because of the shit or not. So just leave Kilbrook alone. Just help retire. You know what I see Crawford manhandling him? Maybe he wants to be manhandled, who knows? <laughs> Good lad. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr., Ride or Die, uh, featured on a Harley Davidson with the dad, Matt, at Dobson Box. Better nominated him for that. Holt. Is that a choice? Is that a choice for us? Like, we decide, is that Ride or Die? Or what is this? Do we get to say Die? No. no. <laughs> Good old Eubank. Eubank Jr. getting a nomination. Uh, Holt has nominated... Dillian White. Dillian White says Evander Holyfield is rated higher than Mike Tyson, and he beat Lennox Lewis twice, according to, to Dillian. Yeah, all right, Dillian. Okay. Uh, Matty has nominated PC Jacob. Wouldn't matter to me if Fury versus Joshua was £80. The undercard will be packed too. I'll pay it. Here's a good one, Ozzy. Just leave him alone. Old Tony, you could have watched live watch along today. Everton versus Liverpool, Merseyside Derby. If you didn't want to hear the normal commentary, you could listen to Tone alongside Adi Akin Fenwa uh, <laughs> commentating on the fight. Adi Akin, is that that big fat bastard plays for Wickham Wanderers by any chance? <laughs> yeah, he's a big lad, and he's is, is, is that him? Yeah, him, him and Tony. Oh, that's a fucking that's a, that's a behemoth, that guy, by the way. How did they get to hear Tony? They surely couldn't have heard him from his house. Did he leave his house? He couldn't have turned up in this guy's studio, did he? In the suit. <laughs> oh, what do you reckon, Oz? Did you listen? Uh, I didn't know it was one of the worst games I've watched, actually. But uh, but no, we, we just need to leave him alone. He doesn't want to be in the limelight, but he just keeps cropping up, doesn't he? Who won, by the way? Yo, Tony Bell. I think it was. Was it, was it nothing each? I didn't watch it. Yeah, nil nil. Yeah, it was shit. Like uh, the they should not avoid the season, man. It's been shit. Everything could have won actually. <laughs> about ten minutes to go. Yep, nobody wants to watch that while the mighty wolves were rocking on. Here's a good one, Aussie, as well for you. What about uh, Eddie? This week, the footage was uh, dug up from a Terry Harper press press conference, <laughs> revealing one of Canelo's team said that the favourite fighter around today in world boxing is Terry Harper. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see her? She's sitting there. Did you see her? Oh, really? Me? Did he, oh, think, me? Did really? he think he was. Did he mean to say Terence Crawford? Why? Did he mean to say Terence Crawford? The thing is, why he said, would he lie? Why he would did, I'll say it's true. Footage is out there. And I've seen it. But why would he lie about it? It's, it's one of the most absurd things to ever make up or to pull in. Canelo thing. It's like, it's it's one of the best lies I've ever heard. Or it might be remotely true, but it just amused me. Just half is... was like she was looking around. It's like me. Like, yeah, exactly. She's like really? <laughs> me, me, really. And she's like, oh, oh can I perk it up, Matt? Really? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, can I, can I funny looking at? It? And Eddie's like struggling not to fucking laugh. 
because he's lying that hard. Sorry, Ed, but you fucking are, man. Jesus Christ, man. That <laughs> yeah. is... I mean, he, he must have... I must be a dare for his mates. Now, I dare you 10 grand. You didn't see that. I know you're struggling to, for, for some cash in the way. I dare you 10 grand to go and see this and stuff like that. And he's like, right, I'll go and fucking... What a fucking whopper he is, man. Jesus Christ. You, 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 see, you see fucking... You see Harper sitting there like, like, a, like a wee fucking meerkat. Really? Me? Oh, my goodness. Oh, fucking hell. Be funny if the footage emerged, though, wouldn't it, Andy, or something like Canelo, Canelo on an Ellie setback video? Yeah, me gusta, Teddy Harper. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, smell, smell the Gucci. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, fuck, see my vibe. Who's the fuck's Teddy Harper like? <laughs> People think it's like fucking some sort of beef. Oh, I will even know all about the beef anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah nomination. Matt Skelton was nominated Tony Bellew. For doing punditry for the Everton Liverpool game, a top rank boxing nomination for me for Mark Kriegel, uh, defending the Navarrete Uriel Lopez fight from last night. The current climate benefits a fighter with the anytime, anywhere, anyhow mentality. Mark Kriegel explains why, um, what is it, Navarrete uh, versus Lopez, sorry, is the perfect fight for this moment. He would say that, wouldn't he? And that's all the ones that I've got. Then, any nomination from you, Fucking Yeah, Kriegel, I've got man. one. Um, IFL TV interviewing Billy Nelson this week. Um, I think it was it was either the week gone or the week before. Somebody on Twitter changed their account to the WBC and put a big post out saying that the WBC basically didn't give a toss about Dillian White and his mandatory would now be in 2023. Anyway, it was one of the lads who basically did it, you know, to completely troll and it got quite a bit of traction. Anyway, I forget who was interviewing Billy Nelson, and he used the content from the fake account saying to Billy that the WBC had moved Dillian White's mandatory to 2023. <laughs> so, yeah, so that I, th- I thought that was quite amusing, that the, uh, the troll account, which was later changed back after a, a day or so, uh, duped the IFL interviewer into asking questions that had no substance whatsoever. <laughs> we've all been duped like that with so many fake accounts. Do you remember Ingram got duped by the Croatian journeyman who fought, was it Price or something? Oh, hey, Dave oh, Allen. It was fucking, uh, um, it was Yakov Gospi. <laughs> I, I remember, and I wouldn't mind, but I listened to that, and I was in, um, I was, I'd been at the show where um, Nick Webb knocked Gospi out. So I was in the away fighters dressing room because I was up there with Richie Garner because um, he had a he had a fighter in the away corner on the Cyclone show and I heard Gospich talk and he sounded nothing like it. I thought fucking hell, but what a random thing to come on and it was just it was just some random lad, wasn't it? Putting on an accent, I absolutely <laughs> hammered him for that because I said this is absolute bollocks. He was saying like he got offered like. 1500 quid to fight Derek Chisora. I'm like, what? It's just a lot. Anyone knows that would never happen. I remember Tommy and Kurt actually were kind of sharing, uh, or made a Twitter account to Roger Mayweather. Yeah, this is like back in the fucking late unpleasantness when Twitter was just an absolute fucking free for all, by the way. Honest to God. Oh, I need to get them on to actually go through with actually, some of the shit they were coming away with, man. It was incredible. And the fucking bite, you get, well, Tommy just fucking bites everybody in that. Eh? Holy fuck. At the end of the course, it done because people just going fucking batshit mental. 
Didn't Freddie Roach, Freddie Roach got caught with a fake Roger Mayweather yeah, I think, oh, I out for a fight and all as well, didn't he? Like, it, was, it was that account. No way, no way. That went viral, that didn't it? Like, because everyone was like, Freddie got fucking trolled. Like, no way. Any more nominations, Andy? Um, yeah, Tyson Fury. Um, as you know, um, everybody listening to Tyson Fury in the past, and I'm talking about pound for pound rankings, and he would always poo poo it. And he says, for example, Roman Gonzalez, and that says, you know, what would a flyweight do like against like some meat? Fucking nothing, basically. So just on Tuesday, there he actually kind of t- took a screenshot of Boxrec. Uh, he's got Saul Alvarez number one, and he's got Tyson Fury number two, and he's fucking took a screenshot of it and posted it on Twitter and says, pound for pound number two. I'm like, fucking hell, man. You see, this is coming from a guy who actually you took pound for pound seriously. Now he's fucking promoting it. He, he like, needs to fucking hell. shut up, doesn't he? Like, he needs to shut up. What was that all that announcement all, all about? The fucking is it? Who, who the fuck were the two of them going to fight anyway? They have to fucking fight each other. There's no big fucking deal that they've agreed to fucking fight. So they've always had to fucking said that they were going to fight each other. That's some big fucking news that, that was broke. Like, and it, the shit that's coming out of his mouth lately, like. Him and AJ are in danger of undoing all the good stuff, PR that they've had in their, since their last fights, like, because the two of them are coming out. So just shut up, man, and stick the box with all he is, like, because you're fucking, you're definitely not fucking politicians, like, you should just fucking stick the box. Joey, he could say anything, dude. He could fucking say anything, and it's, it's at the stage now where, like, I'm with everybody on the Sick of it. If, if it never gets made, I don't give a shit. And all this stuff is just fucking nonsense. Every fucking IFS we go is AJ for the whole lockdown. We got three months of it, like, and now we get the announcement. But then Eddie's like, well, it's not really an announcement. We know all that shit. Like, fucking fight that had to happen after all the other fights. Like, so it's a lot of bullshit. Like, and they're just going to upgrade Fury to franchise champion now as well, which deserves a better. So it wouldn't even be a full unification fight. Wouldn't be a full unification fight if I happened. Really? And Aaron, Aaron, Aaron seems to be kind of like, kind of like, not so much promoting it, but he's kind of like, not even finalising it, but he's accepting it really that that's what's, that's what's going to happen. If Tyson's going to get the franchise tag, you know. Yeah. Okay, any nominations from you, Rob? No, just that success one is a really good one. Work hard, everybody out there, and you can be a success at something. You know what I mean? Don't just wing it day to day. Wonder what's going on. Okay, then you too can inherit your own millions. Might even get your own trust fund, you never know. <laughs> might even get the he- might even get adopted by Barry Hearn via his black book, you never know. <laughs> That's the place you want to be. Um there's only one for me this week. It's gotta be Do you want to win a virtual hangout, Rami? <laughs> 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 Who let that happen, man? How did he think that was a good idea for charity? (laughs) Good lad. What about you, Andy? You going for? Yeah, mate. That's that. That is strong. Um, But there was a couple other ones actually. Who was the uh, the one about Duran? Pound for pound boxing. 
Oh, pound for pound boxing opinions was good. I thought Tony Bellew coming out to do the frigging thing with Adiak and Fenway was good. And I liked Eddie's complete and utter bullshit about yeah. Canelo and Terry Harper was good oh, too. I, I, mean, I felt sorry for Terry and that. I mean, she must be gullible. She's fucking swallowing that shit. I mean, fucking hell. Uh, yeah, I, but uh, I'm your can. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that's that, that's what it's all about, man. That's what all the laughs is about, you know. Get I'm your can on Skype. You know, what can go wrong? Fucking nothing. Look at it! Look at it! Look at it. I'm strangling <laughs> it! It's gone purple! Uh, probably go with... Yeah, probably got to go with Khan, haven't you? The, probably! No, although, although, they, yeah, but there's an honourable mention for the lad who was talking about paying 50 quid for Joshua and Fury. Oh, Ricky Ellis? Yeah, he's cropped up before. So ah, he's, he's he he was the only one at the hundred pound pay per view. That's wasn't right. Yeah, he's a, yeah. Oh, oh shit! There was one. There was one. Sorry, Eddie said in an interview this week that uh, every time he makes an announcement, there seems to be some kind of bots that pop up that are pro Al Heyman, and he doesn't understand where this is coming from. <laughs> As if he's never heard of this concept before. Where do bots come from? For instance. These mushroom bots that everybody's talking about. What, what, what kind of concept is this? Well, it's happening to Eddie. Now. The Hamanites are after it. So, uh, the Hamanites. You've the Eddie. Hi, the sentient bots, exactly. I, the bots have turned on their masters. Those type the, games. The, the future is with the bots. And, like, these AI sex robots. As soon as the AI develops far enough that you can get them to work a microwave, the whole game is going to change. I'm telling you, yeah. that's the future. Yeah. There you go. Rob Kelly, telling it as it is. Uh, uh, at least one of the panel members here is a bot. I'm not going to tell you who, but we've been fooling you for a while. Now, at least one of the panel members is a bot. Not going to not going to reveal the information on that one. I think Amir Khan won, didn't they? Well done, Amir. We got Amir Khan. You went for Amir Khan, didn't you, Andy? I did, mate. Yep, Amir Khan. You went for Amir as well, Ozzy? Yeah, correct. Lovely job. Well done, Amir. Keeping it real, shaking things up. Episode 378, let's get out of here for the evening, shall we? I think we're putting a good shift tonight, you know. That was a good one, that. Giving you plenty of, what is it, two and a half hours or so. Thanks to everybody in the chat who's joined us. Lee, the alcoholic frotch, take aims. Jim McDonald, Jason Chuck, who's been on One Porky's Corner. Dave at Boxing's First was on the call earlier. Alongside Al Siesta, GB Boxing as well. Everybody else listening throughout the week, hit us up if you have any questions, comments or complaints. Hit the like button as well or the dislike button if you think we're shit. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again. Same time, same place next week. Bye. Woo! Woo! Sports Social Podcast Network.